Hi, everybody, and welcome to the End Cells uh, podcast, a, a spin-off special, The Grass Isn't Always Greener. We'll get on to the title shortly, but I'm joined by William and Franny. How are you both? Hi, all good. Good, mate. We had a discussion off. I feel how good my day's been. It's been fairly relaxed. <laughs> I, I thought you used to froze there, because I spoke and it was just silent. Really <laughs> yeah, no, not again. But uh, coming to you, Willie, I mean, I know we're not going to cover the, the Scotland match in much detail here, but how was it for yourself? You were at the game. What was the atmosphere like? And obviously the final score. Uh, it was good, mate. I, it's not like, obviously the atmosphere is nowhere near as what it's like at Celtic Park on big games days. Uh, it's, it's Hamden, but I know good, great result to start off and uh, looking forward to tomorrow night now. Going along tomorrow night, I'll probably be freezing my balls off and Hopefully we can get a, a, a result against the Spanish. 100%. Mate. There definitely is some sort of delay between. I don't know if it's me and both of you or me and Willie or is it delay going on, but we'll get through it. And coming to you, Franny, buddy, how you doing? How was your weekend and your weird drive to Birmingham for a, a nice day's work? Uh, well, that was quiet weekend, Stephen, and dropped down to Birmingham just for a wee seminar thing. It was a wee bit random, but things you've got to do because your boss tells you to go somewhere. True, mate. True. I've had worse and Mondays. Come... Let's just say I've had worse Mondays. <laughs> Coming to the comments, we've got Jed and already, Brown Warrior, Charles Smith, Anthony as well. Good to have you along with ourselves. I do want to say a big thank you to our show sponsor, Sharna. Send out the t shirts to the guys. I know we had a bit of a kerfuffle who would get them, but they've been sent out. <laughs> People's received them. Um, if you just want 10% off, it's in the, the code below. Get involved with it. They're a great bunch of lads, great to work with. and I mean, to be further independent clothing brand, so all the support you can give them would be fantastic. And Brown Warrior comes in. William was a wee bit laggy there, Stephen. You back? Ian, Willie, can you hear me? Aye, I can hear everything you're saying. That's good. That's good. No, no, no definitely was a bit of a lag, but we'll move on from it. And you may be wondering what we're meaning by the grass is always greener. Basically, this is just going to be an easy going, fun podcast of players who thought their careers would be enhanced moving on from Celtic Football Club. Um, you could probably name a whole quota of them, but as a podcast, we've come up to between six and seven players, so we're going to get stuck in. And Willie, coming to yourself first, pick a number between one and seven. Oh, it's got to be a magnificent seven. You going for number seven? Yes, please. So, so the first player we're going to talk about, if I can get up his deets, is Mr. Joe oh. Ledley. We're oh, going, look look pictures now, boys. Look, look at this. The suave, the suave. Not, not <laughs> <laughs> but coming to you, well, starting with you, family first, Joe Ledley came from Cardiff by all accounts. At Cardiff, he broke in when he was 17, and I think he won a, a Player of the Year award there while he was there. Came to us with a, a free transfer, basically kind of exploiting the, the cross uh, compensation at that time. What was your, your first impressions of that signing? Because... I think back then there was the likes of Tottenham were interested apparently, Liverpool were apparently in for him, a few other clubs like West Ham and, and teams like that. So all in all, it was a positive signing. I think it was a great signing. I mean, the guy was well sought after and I was really excited when he came in. And uh, to get like that type of player on a free transfer, it was it was absolutely brilliant. And then the guy was absolutely brilliant for us. When he scored like that header against Rangers and stuff, he just was an old school Loved, loved to dig, and he's probably one of the one of the last few sort of players that you could actually properly shout at. And he was a proper Neil Lennon signing. You see him now; he's still kind of follows Celtic and 
puts things into it than that. But I was I was really, really excited when we, we signed Joel Edley. I think you, you look at it, Willie, as well. Neil Lennon, when he when he first got the, the manager's job the first time, he, he went through like a, a stage of signing British based players like Calvin Wilson, uh, Gary Hooper, Joe Ledley. And you, you look at Joe Ledley coming in, for me, I was excited that the pedigree he had. I know he had a fall out with Dave Jones, the, the Cardiff manager, and he speaks about that a lot, about that he wanted to move on. But Dave wasn't necessarily wanting that to happen. Then they had a fall out, and his contract was allowed to kind of windle down. I mean, just looking at it, he had his debut in the Champions League. Then July 2010, and he uh, did what we got beat 3-0 by Braga, so it wasn't really a good result. But the same in, in, in the team and in the squad. It was a bit of a, for me, a statement signing, getting someone like that up, especially with interest in him. Absolutely. And on a free transfer as well, it was a no-brainer. Um, like Franny said, he was brilliant when he came in for us. Seems like he was well sought after. And um, I'm trying to think back now to the midfield at the time, but I'm pretty sure we had a fairly decent midfield with the likes of Key and Kyle and all the rest of it. So um, to keep these guys at the team, he, he obviously had to do something uh, right. And I, I agree with Franny. He had a bit of steel about goals. Um, very complete midfield player. And I thought he was great for us, excellent for us. So I superb signing. And like I say, on a free, absolute no brainer at the time. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, for, for me, like Anthony comes in, uh, love Joe. If you listen to his side of the story, he never wanted to leave, but our, our esteemed CEO refused to offer him a new deal. Another great decision by our current chairman. Uh, to be fair, everything can get brought back to, to Peter Lawwell, Franny, in some shape or form. We all know it's kind of his medal in Celtics football in the first, so to speak. But, I mean, if I stick on Joe, as you said, the Rangers game, he kind of made his mark. And what, what I liked about him, as, as Willie said there, it was his energetic. He was box to box. He scored goals. He defended. He had that dig. He was playing with likes of Kyle, Key, Brown. So it was a tough midfield to get into. And by about 2012, 2013, I think he was probably a mainstay alongside Brown, I believe, in the midfield. So again, that's testament to get the likes of Kyle and Key out the door because they did leave the club. I don't know. I mean, the guy, like you said, he had, had that British mentality like with Neil Lennon seemed to, seemed to like it. He liked, he liked that style of player and Joe Ledley just like said, got up and down the park would score important goals great left foot in him it's just something about left footers it's just they look a wee bit more cultured and things like that but he was never blessed with blistering pace but he just was such an intelligent player and stuff and scored quite a lot of goals from midfield quite a lot of important goals uh, and I just the guy for a for a good couple of seasons was a proper proper player for us and really key to what Neil Lennon was was doing at the time. Yeah, you could tell Neil Lennon really liked him as a player. He always says that in any conference he used to do back then how important Edley was. And one of the games really he featured in, and probably quite a few players featured in who we're going to speak about tonight was the famous two one victory over Barcelona. I remember Franny saying to me a couple of weeks ago, "You can't uh, win a game without having the most possession of a football." <laughs> but we we proved that. We proved that that evening. I, I think it was he can't. I never says he can't. I says he don't deserve yes. it. Yeah. Ah, well, you did kind of <laughs> it. I mean, it was our 125th anniversary, I believe. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the crowd was in full tilt. And you, you look at that game, and there was Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets. I think we lined up with Lenny Kyle because uh, Brown was injured at that time. And even in that sort of cut, like the cauldron we used to have back then, you're bringing Barcelona across and you're starting to like some Miku up front. You got Joe, you got Chris Commons, you got Mulgrew playing, I think it was left back or in midfield as well at some points. 
And it does prove that the, the point that we're trying to make, Neil Lennon's teams were very workmanlike, weren't they? Yeah, I just like um, Friday night we were kind of talking about striking side and it's much the same as guys that are hard-working and uh, not afraid to put a foot in. And, and Joe Ledley was definitely that. I think he gave he definitely gave 100% every time he stepped on the field for us. And as Celtic fans, like that's the, the minimum we ask for. I've always said that about Greg Taylor, especially he might, might not be the most talented, but I do feel like he gives everything for the shirt every time he steps out in the pitch. And I think Joe Ledley was of similar ilk. Uh, he was brilliant for us in, in that game. He was... Uh, Brilliant defensively, as was, as was the whole team. Um, very well deserved um, to have the plaudits talked about him uh, nowadays because he was he was a great, great player for us. Um, and yeah. in that team, like we said, the midfield, Edwin Yama and all that at the time as well. And he's he's slotting in there and doing the business. Uh, aye, great, great business for us to get him on a fee. And aye, he was he was fantastic for us the time he, he spent at the, at the club. And they bought into it yeah. as well. You know, he talks about it now. He always talks about. I think he said that he regrets um, having to leave. Uh, the story I heard is a bit different to Tony's, I think. Um, but uh, I think he, I, he, he's another one that's bought into the club and, and, and loved it. And like like a lot of them say, you don't realise what it, what the club is about until you're you're in amongst it all. And uh, when you leave, you you realise you realise uh, realiz it also. And I think he's he's done that. And but I think he, he's another one that's just been glad that he's he's been part of this club for. A little time he was, but uh, I definitely made an impact when he was here. It's funny, like you mentioned there about uh, Tony's side of things. We all know Tony loves to believe every every player has good in them. Some players want to move for mm-hmm. other reasons, as you alluded to there, Willie. will come on the way left in a, in a wee second. But you look at it over 70 caps for Wales. I think he got like seven or eight goals for Wales. He played in the Euros for them, World Cup for them. And you, you look, go back to the game, Brown Warrior comes in, Matthews was a left back. Up against Alves, no less, and that's another Welsh player who was great for Celtic. And with Joe, and it's, it's like an infectious thing with some midfielders. Denali had it, got a tattoo of his on his uh, chest, I believe, the Celtic crest. And Keysong Young always speaks about his and when he's playing in Korea now, because obviously, oh, there, there's a link there. So he I think he advised him on the move. And with Rosas, Joe, it's and, and Mark Rosas. I watched a bit of that um, charity game against the play against Liverpool on the weekend when you were at the, the Scotland game and it was just great seeing some of the players. I mean, there were yeah. some players that, like Cy Ferry to uh, be called the Celtic Legends a bit of a stretch. Trevor Sinclair, <laughs> he never kicked the ball for Celtic, called the Celtic Legends. <laughs> but the, the other guys like Jan Vinegar Haslink, uh, you had the likes of Boris and Goal, um, Roman Ram, Roman Vega come on for, for a wee brief cameo. Yeah. It was great to see all these guys playing who you kind of forget about, not in a bad way, but you move on from that time and that generation. But they see them on the pitch and, and gracing the pitch. And we're missing the likes of Hamid Lars and stuff in that game. And they have obviously we've seen oh, the I scenes. Joe Ledley played in it as well, did they know? Joe Ledley played in it, yeah, he did. Joe <laughs> Ledley played on it, still being that uh, marauder midfielder we, we all know him to be. And you, you look at it, I mean, the scenes, the Stephen Gerrard celebration. Aye, oh, you knew it was going to happen. Obviously, Aye, it's going to happen. And to be fair, like, who really gives a shit? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Fuck him. He's not a part of uh, Scottish football no more. But Franny, even playing on that Legends game, Joe Ledley, would you would you put him down as a, a Celtic legend or would you just put him down as a, a great contributor while he was there? I think it was, as much as I, I think it's got to be a great contributor, it's, it's all clear that the legend thing gets bandied about a bit too, too easily at times, I think. Mm-hmm. There's no denying what he done for us and how well he, he contributed, like you said, Stephen, but I... I think legend would be absolutely pushing it. I mean, I'm not saying 
you need to be here for a certain length of time. But I think there's got to be a wee bit of longevity in you being to come into the long to come into Legend Bucket. <laughs> <laughs> that's a winner Brian that's a winner and, uh, I think because what, what was he how long was Ledley here for maybe five years I can't remember no I can't remember. I think it was there until 2014 maybe four years I think uh, four years uh, so as I say I don't think you need to be there I don't think there's a certain time frame you need to be there but I think there needs to be a wee bit of longevity before you can come into the legend bracket but take nothing away for the guy he was great, a great servant for the club when I was here yeah, and another game he, he played a final role in, Willie. I mean, he's played in lots of games. And by the way, big shout out to the Celtic Wiki page. I needed something <laughs> to give me, give me stats <laughs> and give me research. Them guys who do a job there are fantastic. Anyone who wants to search a player or details, type in their name, followed by Celtic Wiki. It's unbelievable. Another game he played a final role in, by the way, uh, was the 3-0 win on the Scottish Cup final 2013 against Hibs. So again, another guy steeped in trophies with Celtic, Willie. Yeah, absolutely. I, he was a stalwart for the team at that time as well. Um, I he was just a fantastic player for us. I agree with Franny. I think legend uh, gets thrown about a bit too much. I know that's it's obviously not Celtic legends. It's just to pitch the game. But I think there's only a small cluster of people that should be um, touted as legends for the club. And um, <laughs> um, and he's and I, I wouldn't put Joe in that category. But uh, he was a massive player for us. And with regards to the Gerard thing. <laughs> The fans, fucking, the fans, the Celtic fans should be ashamed of themselves because they were all trying to pelt them with stuff, 100%. and they were, and no, and they were, <laughs> they they missed the target man and Celtic in the Champions League. I mean, <laughs> 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 not one, not one. I thought you were going to be serious for a second, there, man. No. I'm so good. I agree with you. I missed the target man and Kyogo in the Champions League this year. Not one of them had him. I know. I, I, when I, watch, I was watching, I think I caught from like the, the 30th minute and he got the penalty. I think it was, who was it dived in? Um, was it, who? Sorry? Darnold Day. Yeah, Darnold Day. He dived in and I think it was on uh, Skirtle. He was doing a, a, a turn in the box and then, you know, Stevie T's picking up that ball. He's going to fire it in. And you, you obviously, you know what he's trying to do. He's trying to wind up the fans. That's 100%. But again, I don't condone anyone throwing shit. It looked like glass battles as well. At some point, we're getting chucked under the pits and, and other stupid things which shouldn't be happening. It was a charity game. Let's, let's keep it to the charities. But we'll move on. Uh, Franny, to the time he left Celtic, he went to Crystal Palace in a w- £1 million deal, which was, again, shambolic. To be fair, for us and records and transfers is quite incredible, really, when you see it. Um, he signed off to the support by saying, best fans ever, we'll miss you all. How would you sum up his time at Saudi Football Club? I like to just, just say that I, a good contributor. I think he can be proud of his, his Celtic career and stuff. He had big moments and contributed a lot, a lot of games and stuff. But it was one of the ones that I don't know. Maybe it was just the lure of the Premiership why he left it. One last crack at his, his last big move. Uh, but as the nature of the programme, it, it I think he'd done okay at Crystal Palace, but I mean, it just didn't really work out from once he left. But I, th- I don't think it, you can't be disappointed with what he'd done at Celtic. Yeah, and you're right to refer to that, Franny. I mean, he went on to represent Crystal Palace, Derby County, Chartland. At Cardiff, he helped him to the FA Cup final as well while he was there as a, as a first player. And 
he also captained Wales on some occasions after leaving Celtic, Willie. But you have a different, well, you said a different version of why you think he left. And also, does the list of the clubs after this show why sometimes you should maybe hold your horses and try and fight this day? Absolutely, but I, I think Joe's like the people in the comments may correct me if I'm wrong, but um, from I'm pretty sure, and I'm, this is just from memory, so I might be completely wrong, but I'm sure I read that he, he and it was quotes that he like he didn't really want to leave, but it was kind of a last minute in the window. For Palace came in, and he was like, and, and I know I, I, I'm sure that. Um, powers that maybe at Celtic maybe did give him a wee push, but I'm 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 not so sure it was like you're gone and that's it. Um, I might be wrong though, and uh, I think it's like you said, it's just he's been here four years and it's maybe just because it was last minute in the window he had to make a decision at that moment in time and and he's chose to go to Palace. Um, like I say, I might be wrong, but that's I'm pretty sure I read a report like that before from him and he's he said that he regretted it ever since because um. Should have stayed at the club, but I, again, I think somebody said it in the comments. He was a fantastic, uh, fantastic player for us. Mm-hmm. He, there's no ill feeling at all between us and him. It's just love, just like there's a lot of other players that have bought into the club. Um, and I, I, he's always welcome back with open arms um, whenever he has come back. So, I mean, I think I read a scene in him on a podcast. I might have been an open goal or whatever, and he said he went to the training ground. I think it was the last day of the window. And he was pulled like the one side, and he was told he's moving on, but he didn't want to go, like like you said. And All right, okay. The, the deal, the, I think it's something like that. Like, again, it could be wrong, and I think the deal got accepted, and his bags were packed, and off he went to Palace. But I mean, to sum up from my end, I think I love Joe Lenny in a Celtic shirt. I think he epitomised what we all like to see: hardworking, goals, defending, and he probably probably had to compare him to a modern day Celtic player. You would have to say the likes of on an off scale here. I'm not saying skill wise, but work rate of Rio Atate. And the, the doggedness of like a Scott Brown, that type of thing, because he, he gets stuck and he wasn't afraid of a, a physical battle in European football. He was great as well, like in the Barcelona game that we, talk, we spoke about. So he went to Palace and he played regularly in the Premier League and then he dropped down to the Dar- Derby County, finishing up at Chartland. And I think he's running his own uh, training academy now, which is uh, great to see. I've tried to contact him a few times uh, by Twitter. <laughs> so if he ever hears this, we want you on, Joe, for a chat on the off chance he listened to the end of this podcast. But Franny, Pick a number between one and six. I'll just go one. We'll go the opposite end. We'll go one. Go one? Okay. So the next player we're going to be speaking about is Fraser Foster. The Great that's Wall himself. That's why? I think that's a good picture of him, though. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> but start with you. I mean, we'll, we'll do exactly the same thing with him with Joe. He came on loan. I think it was in the first spell of Lenny, I think it was 2010 when, when Lenny got the job, he came alone, kind of the, the, plugged the gap with the goalkeeper department, yeah 24 of August 2010, one year loan then an extra year, then he signed permanently in 2012 for 2 million what did you think of him when he first came in, obviously not much experience playing with Newcastle, I think he played maybe one or two games and he was on loan to a few clubs and he, he came to Celtic what was your first impressions of him in a Celtic goalkeeping shirt I think in memory, so it was a wee bit an indifferent start. I don't think he was the the keeper we, we all remember now. I think he was certainly his distribution. It never really got much better, but it was I can remember it being really terrible when he first came in. I think short stopping was still okay, but commanding his area and things like that, I don't think he was great. But he could put that down to he was a young lad when he came in. I think he was only like 20, 21 ish. It was fairly young and 
in goalkeeping terms and stuff and hadn't had much uh, appearances. So it was one of the ones who were like, I don't, I was unsure, obviously knew nothing about the guy, but put off, obviously, you like seeing a keeper like, we've all said Joe Hart, we know, we know what he brings, but Joe Hart, uh, like Fraser Forster, he's a big commanding guy, but always, mm. maybe a wee bit, a wee bit lazy when you, you think about it with a keeper, just you always get a wee bit more confidence in a keeper when he's big in stature and things like that. But I don't think he had a great start when he first came in, but by God, what a keeper that boy turned out to be. Yeah, we'll come on to some of his great games as well, Franny, most notably again against Barcelona. <laughs> but coming to you, uh, Willie, I mean, Brian Warrior brought up a great point. I was going to actually touch on that. We signed him when he was Newcastle's third choice goalkeeper. I think okay. that just speaks volumes of where we at, where we were at in the transfer target side of things. I think he had a season on loan with Paul Lambert and Norwich and he, and he caught the eye. He came to us to replace Arthur Boric. So straight off the bat, it was big pressure on the young guy's shoulders. Yeah, I mean... When he first signed it, obviously, like yourself, I didn't know much about him, so I wasn't too overly excited. But like Franny said, after his tenure, or his 17 tenures that he had, where, <laughs> um, he, he was colossal in his time with us. But like, like you say about us being in the transfer department at that time, it also shows, if you look at it, the flip the other coin the other side, it also shows you don't need to be spending 10 million to get a good keeper. And he was as good as anybody yeah. we've had in the last... 20 years, I would say, anyway. Um, uh, aye, I wasn't wasn't too excited when he first came. Well, not, not that I wasn't uh, I was excited either. It was just kind of one of those you don't really know too much about the guy. Um, but he was an absolute mountain. He must have made that that goal look really, really small standing in there. Um, I always remember when he's sitting in the studio with the guys after. I can't remember what game it is, and it looks like the scene for Elf, where it, three times as big as everybody in the studio with Neil McCann and all that absolutely hilarious but I, he, he was absolutely superb I would I would go as far as saying he was our best keeper of the last long long time possibly my generation Even, when I was younger just back. the keepers were fucking terrible oh <laughs> well, fuck just looking back that's even better than the, the holy goalie I would say he's a better keeper. I I would say that Boric is obviously more well regarded at the club, and I like I love him because of the holy goalie stuff and that. But um, ability wise, I would I would definitely say that Big Fraser Foster was was a better keeper. Fuck, that's, that's <laughs> I mean, to to be fair, like with Big Fraser, it's as he was the tallest player. I think that was the start as well in the SPFL when he first joined. And I kind of remember what you're talking about in the studio in the Celtic TV, was it? No, and it, was he was, Sky, it was on Sky Sports. Oh, it was Sky. It was like Neil McCann and that. And, and he just still had all the cattle and everything. <laughs> it's like the scene for Elf. They're all tiny and he's just like this. And it's the way the camera was as well, obviously. He was at the front and they were further away. But it just made him look like it's just a, it's one of the most it's funniest stills you'll ever see in your life. And then McCann's going, good luck finding your dad, buddy. Come to you, Franny. I mean, to be fair, his first season, not really much things to speak about. I think he made his debut quite early on. Red card against Rangers in a 2-2 game. Fast forward to the summer of 2012, we got him back. On a, well, we had him on a, a roller loan deal until then. And then we come to the, the game that he's probably most famed for at, at this precise moment. And that's the game again against our own foes, Barcelona. And Messi, what was it? He, he, he kind of spoke to him about the, the, the Grande Murala, the Great Wall. Some games Fraser Foster played in, he was absolutely incredible. He and, and I get what you say, Willie. 
for the keeper, probably the best shot stopper, maybe. I, I would give him up this best shot stopper, best kind of clawing things in the top corner. Uh, unbelievable. But Franny, what's some of your memories of the big man? Because there's plenty to talk about. Like, well, there is certainly plenty to talk about that that Barcelona game. It just it just got in the way. I know Messi also scored it on, but it just felt like it got in the way. Absolutely, every shot. Like, and sometimes like keepers will have day days that you there's no denying he was a really really top top keeper. When you're on your game, some things will just hit off you and deflect off you, and you you just seem to get in the road of everything. And it was almost a bit like Peter Schmeichel in the sense that when he would come out, he'd somehow, it makes himself tall and the arms are just spread out, just spread at his body well and things. And it just, like what I said, he must have made the goal look so small. And that's what you did want for keeper. And then like, he did play with so much confidence at times. I think he, he grew into games. If he had like a sticky start, he sometimes would have a wee bit of a clangor. But if he made a good couple of saves and found his right game, sometimes it was just unbeatable, like, I don't know if we'll talk about it, that League Cup game, but uh, certainly that Barcelona game oh, yeah. it was just one of the nights. One of the nights we just, it was got to take a wee bit of something special. And obviously, it was Messi did just kind of sit him down, turn that extra touch, and uh, committed him. But I think I think before that, it actually made a great save, and it was just one of the ones that broke to Messi. And then like Fraser Foster's try to kind of just react to the second the second shot, but I what a keeper when he was. Like it was on it more times than not, but some of the games mm-hmm. against teams like a Barcelona were, were under the cost. You were like, "How are we not getting scored?" Like the scores could have been ridiculous in a couple of games if it wasn't for him. Big, big Fraser. I mean, he was woeful coming for cross balls. Like he was. Oh, I used to watch games just, just like. Ah, ah. I mean, like you're, you're like the size of the big show. Get your hand out there and just grab it. No one's going to get it off you. But, I mean, well, they want to read the quote that Messi said about him. Um, the performances of Fraser Foster against us were talked about for a long time. There was one game in Scotland when he was not human. It was the best goalkeeping performance I have seen. When Victor Valdez said he was leaving, we even talked about him playing here. I was sure he would end up at Arsenal, Chelsea, or Manchester United. What a... I mean, if you want an endorsement, the best player on this planet, <laughs> that, that's, a, that's mad, isn't it? I will... Clearly, Messi doesn't know too much then because he didn't do much. I know we're going to that. I know we're going to that. I know that I'm better at all. You'll find it. But uh, <laughs> I, like I said, I couldn't give him much more praise than I've just have. He was colossal. He's um, the Tony's doing the words out of my mouth. That cup final. I mean, strikers win your games and, and midfielders mm-hmm. win your games. There's no often you talk about keepers winning your games, and he won us that that final. Julian got the goal, saved a penalty. He's countless saves, and, and I know the one. Like miraculous saves, a lot of the strikes were, but still had to be made. And he, like, that was another colossal performance. And, and I think it's that picture you've put up at the start, um, yeah. that game in particular. And for me, he won that, he won us that trophy that night. Um, and it's not often you can say that about keepers, but aye, absolute colossal in goal. He was, he, he was, he was magic. And uh, there's a wee start here of the Celtic Wiki as well. He broke a, a record of clean sheets, breaking former Aberdeen goalkeeper Bobby Clark's 40-year-old record. Clean sheet run ends at 1,256 minutes and a 27-game unbeaten run during that, Franny. And then, I mean, it's it's madness. I, I know, I know you can you point to the, the whole argument. Games that, games you can see in the league. Is that what you're saying? Aye, aye, yeah. That's mad. It's not right. That's eh? Fucking nuts. Yeah, I mean. 
to be fair, like you get the old fucking wet blankets to talk about the level of opposition, though, but it doesn't matter where you play. All it takes is one opportunity and a strike on goal to go in the net. We, we've seen that plenty, plenty of times before. But before we come on to the, the cup final sort of stuff against uh, Sevco, let's talk about the England number one spot for, for a wee while, Franny. And at that time, I think he got called up a few times to be like the number three, I think, along with like the likes of Joe Hart and Ben Foster and things like that. Do you think at any point during his time at Celtic he should have been or given the run of games as England's number one? I think he should have been given a chance, but then is that maybe just maybe a wee bit biased? I think Joe Hart was possibly flying at the time at Man- we were doing well at Man City anyway. Ben Foster, I don't know how he if he was at Watford by this time or not, he was still at Man United or whatever playing his football. But it's one of the ones our, our league has looked down upon a wee bit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but, uh, I think I think he should have been certainly given a chance, but as I had one, I mean Joe Hart was ever consistent. It's one of the ones that England were doing well at the time. They were obviously qualifying. I mean, they always qualify for major events. So it's we've said it as well. Maybe like Seagrass, maybe gets a trying to Seagrass something, but you don't want to. You don't change your back your backline for just for the sake of it, but it was just unfortunate he's probably up against really good keepers at the same time. But certainly think he maybe deserved more of a chance. If you had asked me before we signed Joe Hart, I'd be like fucking right because he was shit. I would have said I something like that. So that. I can't answer that. I can't answer that. And Joe Hart for Celtic as well. To be honest, with you. we're being a bit we're being a bit biased towards Joe Hart here at the minute. But to, to be fair, to be fair, Willie, he got an England cap against Chile. And I remember the headlines after this game because I was in school and stuff at, at this time and there was a headline, I think it was by the Times, going, what chance did England have of a Scottish goalkeeper, well, Scottish club goalkeeper behind them? Do you remember this? It, no, it's, but it's, I, can't, it's, I can totally it's, see it happening. It's these sort of headlines, again, like Franny said, like the guy broke over a thousand minutes, clean sheets, 27 consecutive games, not conceding the goal. And against Chile, who have probably Alexis Sanchez playing them types of players, he let in two goals. I mean, to be fair, that sounds like an England striker problem, not taking their chances. Yeah, I mean, it just shows the absolute ignorance England have got for our game, and they have done for many, many years. Um, but, I mean, at the time, I was going to say not so much now, but even so much now, um, it's just the ignorance for anybody, any team outside the the big power five or six or whatever it is in England. Um, there's been many, many players that uh, I've been more than capable of uh, uh, playing for a country, but because they play for a Southampton or an Everton or something like that, if they guys were at Man United, they'd be getting called every every tournament or every every squad that's getting built. So I I just think that English games and it's just absolute ignorance. We've seen it with um, we've seen it in the past where they were struggling in the left wing, and Alan Thompson was doing absolute wonders yeah. for us for, for season after season. Uh, again, absolute ignorance for our game. So, uh, if he was at a if he was at a top five or six club, even where he is now at Spurs, I believe uh, if he was there back then, he, he would have been getting much more caps than he did um, at Celtic. But that's um, that's not to do with his ability. That's just to do with the complete ignorance England have got for for our game because he was, like I said, he was colossal, and for me, most definitely one of our best keepers in recent times. Anyway. 100%. Um, Scott Howe coming in. Aaron, at the moment, playing not too bad against France. Yeah. Let me know if Mickey Johnson gets on. Uh, Brown Warrior, 
when it comes to goalkeepers, I think Connor Goldson is up there. Aye, aye, saves. Just a quick fire question to you both, and I'll start with you, Franny. Willie spoke about him possibly being our best goalkeeper in his uh, generation or or the span of the SPFL. Do do you think he is the best goalkeeper the SPL have seen since the amalgamation of the league and the, the name change? To be fair, I, I'm going to have to say no because I would put Boric okay. ahead of him. But okay, it's it's a hard argument. I, to be fair, if I've got a choice, if you're telling me it's Fraser Foster, then I'm as in goals on the ball. But personally, if I if I was picking one, I'm picking Boric. So we'd have to if it actually hinking all the goalkeepers. I suppose the answer is no to that. So would you say Boric then in your in, in your lifetime's the best in the league? In my lifetime, I. Just for Celtic, then uh, it's got to, for me. Overall, 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 in my lifetime, it's got to be Boris for me. But that, they two games, especially that Barcelona in the League Cup final, Boris was ridiculous in two games. Single handedly, well, he kept us in both games, and you give mm. Big Al Foster some praise there. Would you say he's the best that the SPL seen? For Celtic, uh, I I would just try to think back. I would say so. Um, in my youth, it was uh, there were some horrendous keepers. I'm not saying Boric is a bad yeah. keeper. Boric is right up there as well. I just think uh, if you're comparing abilities, um, and it's not a day where <laughs> obviously Boric is an absolute cult hero at Celtic. I've I loved him and I loved everything he did with us. Um, and I, I, I've got a slightly different opinion on Fraser Foster, which I'll tell you uh, uh, when we talk about when he's left. But, um, and I think that shows how much I thought of him uh, as a player and his ability. I, I just thought he was he, he was colossal in goals. Yeah, I think this is a great sign. Remember this save? Boards of save at Easter Road <coughs> onto the post is the best save I've ever seen live at a big game. And Brian somebody Warrior mentioned earlier as well. Sorry. I, oh, that's somebody mentioned earlier as well the, the shootout against Dundee United and Boric put it right in the fucking top bag. Oh, the top ten. Oh, <laughs> unbelievable. But, well, to be fair, you can't, you can't, as much as I backed up Boric, he also had that howler for the fucking Hibs boy, mate. The boy named it the Scrimmage. Uh, ranking. He shot for a bit. Uh, oh, God. Is he the best goalkeeper overall in the league? Overall? Like, you should talk about Stephen Claus, Alan McGregor. I think, as much as it pains me to say it, I think Sevco have had some top, top keepers over the years. If you're talking about, I don't know if it was SPL, but Andy Gorham ruined my whole year. (laughs) So if he he was involved in it, it would definitely be him because he ruined. Uh, See the amount of games we should have won, and he's he's won them single handedly, like I said with Foster. He would be the top for me, as much as I hate to say it. But he did, he ruined my whole year. They won everything because. Mm Every time we played them, it was just fucking. We couldn't get by them. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. You can't argue. All career keepers are in their own right. Um, Joe Finley, his performances for Poland, Boric here in the majors of world class. Uh, Red Scotland, he had flaws, but the other keepers didn't have. But Boric had flair that touched genius at times. Uh, Coming into the argument, McGregor is up there. I think he's about Allen. Uh, Gorham takes on beaten. Jed Thomas, Jim Leighton was outstanding. Aberdeen. Um, Flying pinks went nothing for me, and then finally mm-hmm. McGregor has won them to end of games yeah, in your true. big time. So I mean, mm-hmm. we're all big enough to admit we've struggled with goalkeepers in the past, and to be fair, the lemons across the city we probably have the better pick at at, at this time than goalkeepers, which I mean, that's fair enough. But we won all the trophies, so I would them. say there was points where they had 
their second or third choice keeper was better than our first. Uh, I'm sure they close close number one Minyemi is a number two at one point. Like that's not right. Uh, What's that thing? Was there a thing like a, a, a gift going around about Yemi yeah, not getting a, well, a know, call up for Scotland or something? Uh, I was it Hugh Keys or something? No, it was on his super scoreboard and <laughs> and the boys like the boy phones in and he's like and he's like, I can't believe Scotland haven't called up Anthony Yemi and all the rest of it. And they're like they, they, they think he's taking the piss on the radio. I don't know. I can't believe we've never seen this, Stephen. And they're like, uh, what, no, talking need, what are you talking about? <laughs> and obviously it's with Finland. The boy goes, he's Finnish. And the guy goes, he's not finished. He's only 25. <laughs> 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 That's a no, he's not finished. He's, he's no Scottish. He's Finnish. <laughs> he's like, oh. <laughs> oh. All right. <laughs> no, I, I've right heard I've, I've heard snippets of it, but I want the one who's the confirmed. Go on YouTube, Stevie Woods is one of Celtic's major right. signings, one hundred percent. He makes a yeah. great point. Awfully done, funniest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Right. We'll move on to the first time Fraser Foster left as Willie. And that was, I think, for a record for a British based goalkeeper at that time, because Gordon was nine million, I believe. Uh, Fraser Foster left to Southampton for ten million. What's your What's your thoughts? I mean, he did say he's a Celtic supporter for life and would be cheering the club on everything they do when he left. Uh, I would have maybe believed that at the time, but it's obviously bullshit now. <laughs> I agree. I agree. What did you think of the move, though? Did you think it was the right move for him, or should he held out? I mean, it's big money for us, so I can see why the club accepted it, and I. It goes back again to the England ignorance, but I'm sure there's other players we'll talk about that wanted England caps and that's why they moved. But I just, for me, and it's not being biased towards Celtic at all, I just think if you look at your trophy cabinet at the end of your career or your bank balance, what are you going to look back more fondly on? And he's another one for me, Foster, that could have been... He, he The way we talk about Arthur Boric, we would have talked about Fraser Foster if he stayed for however many years, he would have been absolutely idolised by the club, and um, I, I, I wouldn't give up that for all the tea in China. But no. I don't know he's gone for money, and that's it. As Jed says, if you're sitting in twenty k a week and Southampton come in with ninety, and if you're not loyal to Celtic family, I think you're you're taking that ten million for Celtic, and you're going down the road. I definitely, I think obviously, as a, he's not a Celtic fan, he's no. It's one of them. He probably looked at. <laughs> uh, it's one of the ones he probably looked like we touched on. He wasn't getting a really a look in at England. Maybe thought if he goes down there and starts performing like he does, he'll get an England squad. But I, I, it didn't work out from there. It just. But it's and money talks in football. He ended up about second or third choice at Southampton. Yeah, it was mad. I mean, just just a. They quickly fast forward to his second stint because we did talk in depth about him there. They can't sum up his time. He said the 18 months I've had, the low points I've gone through to have a special moment like this was special. The fans at the end, I, I can't put it into words, I can ball my eyes out. But fast forward, Franny, two weeks later, he's back down the road, doesn't want to sign for his second choice at Southampton. Nice for the fourth choice at Spurs. As Willie said, it just points to the fact sometimes that you're thinking about the bank balance. But it's buffed the card past even that. He said things to, to get the fans on board. I, I think 
I mean, if it wasn't for Fraser Foster bumping us, we wouldn't have had a wee cult hero in Barkas, Stephen. So, I, think I, know, I know, I know. Like, that's he's, he's, another he's reason to back. fucking hate him even more. <laughs> he's coming back, big fucking Barkas. But I think they are on a million before we, we move on from Fraser. No, I just, I, like, I was really wanting to talk about him tonight uh, because of the fact that, we, like, the, the grass is always greener and it's shown. I might have a mm-hmm. decent bank balance, but he's he's done absolutely nothing in the game. He ended up Southampton's third choice at one point. And yep. then, like Franny said, birthday care, pish it again, comes back, gives us, makes us fall in love again, um, <sighs> wins the cup single-handedly, and then fucks off again. Um, I, I, I just, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. He, he, uh, angers me <laughs> bye so bye much. Bye. I, go and do one, mate. Uh, <laughs> but it, like, he, like I said, he, he could have been an absolute hero talked about forever. And um, when you see these guys all come back, like Joe Ledley, always welcome back. There's all nothing but love for him. I would imagine that it's the complete polar opposite for Fraser Foster. And, and by the way, I do believe he has an affinity with the club. I do oh, believe what? he has a lot of love. But um, to say that and then fuck off again, nah. No what bothered me was there. all the signs, like you said, they're really pointed him staying. Permanently right. on a permanent contract, but as soon as that Southampton called him back, he didn't even bat an eyelid to come back up to this. So, again, they have to move on from these players. Red Scotland comes in about Joe Hart, our current number one. I admire Joe Hart's enthusiasm and professionalism at our club and have no problem returning with similar faith in the player. We need to upgrade for sure, but we shouldn't ditch him. Ah, I'd probably agree with that. But we're going to move on from what's the <laughs> we're going to move on from the, the Fraser chat. We're going to pick somebody else. So we've had Fraser and Ledley. Willie, between two and six, what we're going with? Uh, back up again. Bobo's going to get you. Number six. Six. And we're going to talk about the enigma that is Mr. <laughs> Patrick Roberts, the love story of our party. I mean, to be fair, this guy, we could talk about him for years here. But I'll start with you, Franny, first, since uh, Willie picked him. Man said he signed this guy for, I think it was £12 million from Fulham when he was a young boy. I think he was representing the likes of England under-17s, under-18s, under-19s. City obviously signed him for their quota of British players. But even for them to spend £12 million on a relatively unknown player for Fulham showed you early on the quality that they thought they had. Ah, it's just, it showed you how highly they thought. The guy obviously, the money at Man City, they can kind of spent 12 million just to get their, their sort of a quota off of, of players that they need in their team but they don't just spend spunk 10 million just just to do that they've got to buy something that's a talent anyway and certainly in his first up his first loan spell he showed that he was a proper proper talent and, and some of the, the things he done under Rogers and that the way he played he was just absolutely brilliant just like the way he could just beat a man just the, the drop of the shoulder he wasn't the biggest guy but he struggled to get the ball off him, great passer of the ball and things like that. I can always sure it was his pass uh, in one of the Rangers games where uh, I think it was on and Stuart Armstrong and Stuart Armstrong cut it across and Sinclair scored. It was just the way mm-hmm. he passed ahead to the guy. The guy had so much, so much ability, so much potential. If only, like we've said, if only it could just... Hindsight is a wonderful, wonderful thing, especially with a guy like Paddy Roberts when you, you look at his career. Now. I mean, especially, I mean, the grass isn't always greener. It shows you the types of player Willie that we had before who thought the move away would do them good. And that's why we come up with the idea of the podcast. I think it's been a great chat so far. So thank you all and thank people in the chat as well for getting involved. But 
In his first spell in January onwards, he had 12 appearances and scored seven goals. He scored against Hearts and two doubles against Aberdeen and Mullerwell, I believe. And like, like Franny said, it was a, a straight battle on that right-hand side between him and Forrest at that time because Forrest was coming on the game. We all know he, he played his best football under Rogers, but it was a quite an achievement for a young Paddy Roberts to come in and fight tooth and nail to get that position because he started off with the under-20s and quickly bumped, bumped his way up. Aye. Aye, no, definitely. I mean, I think his first spell, he, he was he was very good, fantastic. Um, but I'm, I, I wasn't as blown away, <laughs> to be honest with you. Like, I thought he was a good player. I thought he had great flair. I thought, um, we talk about the Celtic way, and it's wingers and flair and, and, and all the rest. And he definitely had that in abundance. And like Franny said, he had an eye for a pass as well. But he was just, no, no so much in his first spell, but I, I just thought he was a bit too inconsistent for me. Um, and I preferred Forrest at the time. Uh, so I, I wasn't as disappointed to see him go. I think, like, I would obviously love to have kept him, but I, I think he might have been, I think somebody used the word overhyped. Um, mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. probably agree with that. And that's not saying he was a bad player. I thought he was great for us, and he would have been a fantastic addition if he did stay. Um, he did have a lot of quality, like you say, in that first spell. Was it seven goals in 12 games? 12 games, yeah. That's not bad coming off the wing, is it? He was a proper talent, and the relationship he built with, with KT um, off the pitch as well was uh, something nice to see as well. But uh, aye, top talent, but it's not one that broke my heart. Yeah, I mean, just to come to the comments, uh, Scott High, best bromance ever, him and Tierney. Kevin 14, the coin has definitely affected Pally's career. He's rich, but we, we were his high watermark. Anthony Dunn, a hero in the Invincible Year, unlucky with his injury in a second spell to an extent. You have to admire self-belief, but he was never making the grid at City. He could, could have been a legend here. Are you off to thinking of that, Franny? I mean, you were the one who was hyped up there about him. For me, I think personally, he reminded me of like a a, a Patrick a Paddy McCourt, but with fitness. He had that type mm. of low centre of gravity. You could take a player on. The amount of times he finished in the top bin. I know we talked about Boris putting one in the top bin, but Paddy Roberts could do it for days. Do you think, on the line of Anthony's thinking, could he have became a club legend if he buckled down and just signed a permanent deal? No, but I think I'm speaking of the benefit of hindsight because I think he's, what he's shown is the type of character is. I think he would have had maybe two good seasons at us and, and fucked off for the money and stuff again. But And like he might have still had the career he had, even if he did sign for us and, and had the good season because as much as I thought it was brilliant, uh, the second spell for, for uh, uh, Buddy Forrest was, was dynamite that season. Oh, Forrest yeah, done, was brilliant. kept him out of the team and deservedly kept him out of the team. I know he had a couple of injuries, uh, Roberts, but there was no chance he was getting ahead of uh, Forrest that second season. But nah, I don't think I don't think it have stuck around long enough to be a legend. I think he was maybe two, maybe three years with the guy. Yeah, and I think as well, whether you look at it. Donny Boy said he wanted him to go elsewhere to high standard in the SPL. I mean, you, you could say that, but in his second spell, he actually scored a cracking goal against Manchester City. Down at the Anyhow, I believe it was, like a solo mm-hmm. goal coming from the right-hand side, he bagged it in. And then he also, the point of his commitment, rejected the chance to to represent England at the Under-19 Championship to help Celtic in that season. But unfortunately, yeah, that's true. And unfortunately, the injury got better of him. And James Forrest kind of showed his worth then because we were waiting on James Forrest to click and that season he just went, bang, this is my spot. Yeah, absolutely. And like, it's possible that James Forrest wouldn't have found that extra gear if he didn't have somebody as, that quality pushing him uh, for that for that, um, for that that spot. 
That's a great point. And, mm. <laughs> um, and is, he, is he permanent now? Is he at Sunderland permanent? Yeah, I think he's at yeah. Sunderland permanent now. So it looks like he's found it. And I mean, they're a decent sized club, so it's taken him long enough, but um, fair play. Um, to, uh, I think it's a bit strong saying that if he stayed and continued doing what he was doing, he, he, he could have become a legend. I, I, I just, I don't know. I just think he was a bit overhyped. He was just far too inconsistent for me. I think when he was on, he, he could completely change the game, but when he wasn't, he was just an absolute passenger. Um, yeah. So, aye, I wasn't too disappointed to see him go, but I, I do think he was a top, top player. Brown Warrior comes in, Willie. He comes straight back to you. Mm-hmm. Abada or Roberts? Uh, I, I th- uh, it's hard to tell because that's a great question. That's yeah. a great well, I suppose, question. Listen, Abad has only had he's had a couple of years here now, and I think he's done more in his time than mm. Harry Roberts did. I think he's more, definitely, and I think he's definitely a better prospect, talent wise. So, I, if it was a choice between the two, uh, I would probably pump for Abada. It's 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 a great great question, uh, Brown Warrior. I mean, you look at it as well. To be yeah, fair. Two, uh, two, two different players. Abada's like a goal scorer. He gets in the right positions at the right times. Yeah. And Roberts was more a playmaker or a flair player. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Dunn comes in here again. Roberts every day of the week for me, and I love Abada. I mean, big shout from you, Anthony. To be fair, like Abada, like you said, well, he totally different player profiles. He's more of a runner, a sprinter. And gets into the the, the the edge of the box, cutting in with that run. We have seen him sit down, bars it so many times on his arse. And then Roberts was elegant, Franny, take players on at his own leisure, go back and do it three, two or three times if he wanted to. Who would you have? I think I'm going to go bad. I just, as much as I, I really hate Roberts, I think I'm going to go bad. I just think he's. It probably fit the system. I don't think a bad. I don't think Roberts would track back and work as much as a badder would. And I think I'm just yeah. showing that in some of his signings. It's, you don't need to necessarily have all, all the flair in the world. I know guys like Joe or and things like that have got it, but he wants workers first. He wants good guys in. And as much as I like problems, I don't think he was had the attitude to succeed in this team. That's a great point. I don't think I don't think Andrew would have him in this first 11. According to Kevin 14, that... He had the chance to sign them, but he said no. Apart, if that's true, that's mm. that does points that as well. Not, I, would not surprise me. <laughs> Dusting off the old transfer list. <laughs> there you go, there you go. <laughs> Going back to Grandchild and, <laughs> and Peter <laughs> Crouch and all them players. Get a little oh, guy back together again. Brian Warrior, uh, Paddy McCourt is the most gifted footballer I've seen in Celtic oh. in decades. He ha- if he had the engine of Calmac, he'd be. 50 million easy, yeah. The guy was an absolute bother. I'm sure he'd done an open goal interview and he just said he couldn't be arse training, really. I've never seen somebody be able to dribble the ball like that man did. That was incredible. Interesting that you said that, Joe. I I, kind of disagree with you there. I mean, we'll talk about when he leaves now. You're saying he shouldn't be on the list. He's had a good standard in Erdemore. But to get to where he's at now, let's, let's go through it. He moved to Spain, Girona, Manchester City's feeder club on loan, barely featured, got injured again. Went to Norwich after that, three appearances on loan, did nothing. Middlesbrough, loan, 18 appearances, half decent. Derby, on loan again, 15 appearances. And the worst of all for me, he went to France and played for a club called Troyes and made one appearance. And now he's ended up 
at Sunderland, where he's been there two seasons, and I think this is the most settled he's been. They're in the Championship, I believe, and he's had over 50 appearances, Willie. So hopefully he's found his home and he, he beds down and be, comes to football real though he can be. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Joe's, uh, it depends on how you look at it. If you think going away and not competing for trophies and, and earning more money is um, better than, then that's fair enough. But I, I don't see it that way. I, I, I think if you look, you, you can earn more than enough um, at Celtic. You can have magic nights like um, like the, we'll talk about Joe Ledley, etc. They went on to other things, but they when they look back on their careers, all they'll talk about is um, the Barcelona night. It's the one night that'll stick in their mind. And I mean, you're not getting that if you're playing away at Bristol Rovers on a fucking Tuesday night. Um, so for me, it's, I, 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 the way I look at it is the grass isn't on a green. And like you said, at Tainum, three, four, five, six loan spells before he went there. And I, I don't think playing at Sunderland in the Championship is a better standard than competing at, at Celtic, especially in this team. No. no. I think as well, uh, Scott Howe, France has scored. Uh, Brown Warrior comes in. Managers clearly didn't fancy him. Franny after a spell with Celtic. And you, you look at it, to be fair, that Patrick Roberts, all the talent in the world, probably injury prone during them loan spells was probably why most of it didn't work out. But for his age, like he's he's a bit of a journeyman, so that's that's hope he's settled there eh, from it. Well, that's hope he's settled. I mean, you don't know why turn into Colin Kazim Richards and ends up with about twenty odd teams and that. But I mean, the guy, what is Paddy Roberts? He must he's, can't must be mid to late twenties and late like seasons. That's nuts. And to have that to have that many clubs in that in that mm-hmm. short short period it just tells you everything you need to know about the guy. It's just. As kind of like a bit of journalist, Stephen, but I hopefully has settled because he is a good player and uh, hopefully kicks about at, at Sunderland and maybe actually gets another move like the Matt. Obviously, he'll probably never end up at another club like Man City, but gets another big move that his talent deserves. But uh, I think when you're finding six clubs to eventually end up at Sunderland, if you go for Celtic to Man City, well, we're going to Celtic to Man City and it takes you six clubs to end up in Sunderland, which you probably got there. Off the back, he's contract running it. I think that tells you all you mm-hmm. need to know. But why, why the grass isn't always greener? Oh, he plugged the he, he, he plugged the name of the show perfectly there, Franny. I love that. <laughs> love that. Thing, um, Joe Finley, Paddy McCord should be top of the list. Total waste opportunity not taking seriously. The reason why Paddy McCord isn't in, to be honest with you, Joe, this is about players who've moved on, who who fought a move of further their career, like likes of we spoke about already, Fraser Foster down in England. Uh, well, other players come up so the Paddy does kind of fade it away and ended up in the Irish League and I think he's now he's like chief executive of Dar- of not Derby of Derry Derry City where he's from so he's making a name for himself in, in them circles and we all wish him the best uh, Brian Moore does to confirm Paddy Roberts is 26 that, that, as you right, said right, probably madness. that says it all coming on to the next player we're going to talk about let me see 2 and 5 2 and no, 2 two and 4 Franny, pick a number between no two and four. No, that's including three in that list. Between, oh, right, sorry. <laughs> I didn't uh, think we did five yet either. We've no, done no. one, two, three, no, no, three no, in one, the seven. One, 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 six, and seven. Pick number two, one, and four. We'll do it that way. Go pick number two, one, and four. <laughs> I'll pick number Dicks. one again then. Number one, fair enough. <laughs> the Irish man, Aidan McGeady. 
Big game. Just, we all have. I do have the list sorted, all right. No, I get well, it. Now. I, picked one, I picked one. I picked one twice, and I put. Two There's only four left. He's meaning he's, uh, he's numbered the other ones one to four. Yeah. I get it. I see you, Steve. You get one. Thanks yeah. very much. Right. But Ian McGinney, Willie, uh, youth academy graduate, absolute world at his feet. I think he made his debut if I look here against Hearts, two thousand and four, as a one each game, ninety three international caps, five goals. And he left, we'll come to that, the Spartak Moscow to, to, to Russia. But again, first breaking into that team under Martin O'Neill, he was an absolute live wire. Something I think we were missing at that time because that was coming to the end of Martin O'Neill's tenure. The spark was kind of maybe dwindling, obviously, after the highs and lows of Seville winning the league titles and, and stuff like that. And Ian McGeady came into the team and he didn't look out of place. And I remember him speaking about it with uh, Simon Ferry and he was saying he was in training with Lenny and they would have given it to him and tried to two-foot him and pull him back in her and all this sort of stuff because he was putting it through her legs quite easily. But what his younger days, that was the mark of him. He was a fantastic individual and a fantastic young talent at that time. Yeah, I mean, that was his game. Tricks and flair and, and trying to beat players and get bums off their seats. Um, like, I think... I think if you're doing it, see like that Anthony doing that stupid fucking 360 twirl when there's nobody oh, wow. near him, like I, like that would kill me. And I'm all for like I'm all for getting bombs off seats with tricks and flair if it's going to beat a man. Like I, like there needs to be a certain obviously criteria. But I thought McGee did it. Like, I didn't think he did it in training. He would have done. Um, but mm-hmm. on, in the game, I don't think he ever did a trick to like it was to beat a man always. And um, he was obviously a really, really exciting prospect when he first came in. Um, I loved watching him play. Um, a lot of time for McGady um, at the time, and even now he was a great prospect. And I, I really, really enjoyed watching him. Like I said, he got bums off seats, did a lot for us. Um, but I that story, I think I remember. <laughs> it's, it's, I think it was Sutton, Sutton told the story where he, he not. Oh, the McDonald's story. No, not in McGady, not Meg Thompson, is it? No. And Thompson oh, yes, said, yeah. do that again, I'm going to kill you. And Sutton said, I'll give you 50 quid to do it again. And he did it, and Thompson, <laughs> Thompson's chasing him all around the training uh, pitch. Um, <laughs> so he had a bit of arrogance about him, but to play the way he did, you needed a bit of that. I don't mind that. Um, and I think in his time with us, he was a great servant, great player. I love I love the story there as well. The, the talk about what he said about uh, Chris Sutton used to give it the big man. and. He'd be like, uh, Aiden, hope you're good at serving chips because you'll be at McDonald's next year serving me and the kids. <laughs> like, just, stuff, just stuff like that. It keeps you grounded, I suppose, in that type of environment. Brown Warrior comes in. Oh, Anthony Dunn, first of all. He did everything he could at Celtic. Lennon is on record as he basically told Aiden he was going to get sold for £10 million to build a new team. The transfer suited all parties. Yeah, I get what you mean. And Brown Warrior again. Lennox Town needed funded. So, again, there was, there was ups and downs in that transfer fee, which we'll come on to. But just, again, a brief overview of McGeady of himself before we get into it. I used to remember when I was younger practicing that McGeady spin. Not the way the ball. Oh, all yeah. the time. I think it's even named that, to be fair, the McGeady spin. Like, like Willie said, like the games he came on, I was so excited to see him. I used to love seeing him on the bench or starting games because you knew what you were getting this fast, this tricky. Maybe not always the end product, but... He tried, and I thought for the most part, as a young guy, he succeeded at Celtic. Oh, definitely, definitely a, a really good, a really good player who had a really good Celtic career and stuff. And I think he actually scored in his debut against Hearts as well when he came on. But 
I just full of the flicks and tricks, but like Wally said, they were never never done for the sake of doing a track. It was it done them for a reason. It was usually to try and beat the guy was the type of player that would get burns off seats. I can remember when the season Scott Brown came in, him and Scott mm-hmm. Brown was he was a wee bit more attacking at that stage, Scott Brown and the two of them were brilliant together and stuff. Scott Brown's had a couple of tricks up his sleeve even then and, and things, but I hated him. McGiddy was a proper, proper player, real, real mercurial talent. Like I, I really, really hated him. Like he was, he was really good. Had that wee bit of pace, just a quick feet. Like you said, didn't he? Maybe not the best end product, but now, like majority of the time, he had a good end product. But sometimes it's like crossing something wasn't great. Passing sometimes wasn't great, but then I think sometimes what let him down against Rangers. Like Kurt Broadfoot ran like for some reason always seemed to hear his number, which is the weirdest thing ever. You could see him like turning guys like Nesta inside out and coming oh. up against Kurt Broadfoot and struggling. You're like, what's what you're playing at here, man? But a uh, really, really, really top player. And uh, like I, I, I can understand his why he left at the time, but that was that was a weird one. Got to Russia. Yeah. Very weird one. And to be firm with you, Willie, you're a very patriotic man. Let's be fair. You love your Scalics national team and, and one of the most things kind of clouds that hung over McGinney from a young age was the whole national side set up and it came, came to be his doubt, not downfall, but everyone targeted him for him because he picked Ireland and, and stuff like that. But he gave us reasons why and I think we should all respect that. But where did you stand on it at that time? Obviously, I know your allegiance is at Scotland. You love the, you love the team. You're there all the time. But what, what did you think of his, of his decision at the end, the end? Yeah, I can remember being disappointed, but I wasn't... Wasn't to the point. I, I I don't know if you've seen an interview of him recently where he talks about it a lot, and when he gives his reasons, you're like, you know what? He got a lot of stick that he should now got, and he talks about um, James McCarthy and all the rest doing the same at the time, and they never got half the stick that that mm-hmm. McGee got, and I think that was then I ended up being the downfall, and the reason, one of the reasons he was leaving. I know that it was like, again, Tony saying he was he was pushed to the door, but I think that um, there was a part of him that kind of wanted to leave and get another culture because. He's inside this goldfish bowl and, and he was a big, big target for a lot of people, to be fair. But um I just see just to go back to him and, and watch I say I say bums off seats. Every time he got the ball, you were excited because um he only had one thought in his mind and that was to run at the fullback or um or attack. And it, it's something that I think um we lack a little bit in, in this Angie's team. I know it's all about recycling possession and stuff like that, but I, I do wish sometimes when we're on the wings, that's why I love Jota, because he, he, mm-hmm. he's another one. It's the same of the McGarry-Elk, where when he gets the ball, he's, he's wanting to run at players, and I, I, I feel like we lack that sometimes in our, in our team and in, in Angie's side. Um, but, I, I mean, there's players right throughout countless generations that have done that and got bums off seats, and he was definitely one... Um, that did it at Celtic Park. To be fair to you, I got another podcast where I'll probably discuss it. I think there's probably room for another pacey winger at Celtic with directness like Jada to take them on. I totally agree with you on that point, Willie. And you look at it, you referenced the whole point about him getting bombs off seats. He came from a generation where had the likes of Lubo, Petrov, Larson, Sutton. It was hard to follow them guys. And obviously in that striking time, Franny, like, it was downsized to a certain extent. You, you took away all them, them characters and you were left the likes of uh, McManus, Caldwell at some points, Lee Naylor come in, Paul Telfer, 37 years old. And I mean, you look at Nakamura, what a sign he proved to be. 
Hartley, Brown. You can you can name them off the top of your tongue, but there was very few, I would say, individuals apart from maybe the likes of Nakamura and McGeady that could get you as excited for a football match to watch it. And you, you look at it. I remember the the time. Do you remember Tommy Burns sadly passed away, and it really affected McGeady. There, there was an interview where he was crying, and it was after that Dundee United game how much it meant to him and stuff. So you could see like in, in the teams and. Is is reported problems with Gordon Strachan is there for everyone to know, and I, I never understand why Strachan didn't like him, and it pissed me off that time when he bought Willow Flood and dropped McGeady out of the game to play Willow Flood in a, in a vital Glasgow Derby game at that time, and it was just proved to be absolutely awful tactics from Strachan at that time. But McGeady was a, a, a Mercur, Mercur, I can't even say it was a real talent, mercurial talent. I'm, I'm trying to say, and I think to be fair to him, like. The European games was when he shone most of all. I mean, AC Milan, Manchester United. I mean, Barcelona's back then as well. He was just magic in Europe, wasn't he? Oh, it was. It was absolutely super. Like he was. To be fair, that Hammond Strachan didn't have a great relationship. If you listen to his, if you watch his interview he done with Cypher and stuff, so. But Strachan always turned to him in the big games and it didn't come any bigger than some of the European nights and nine times out of ten McGeady turned up and stuff. He's even got a few goals. But it's like what I said, he was he, he liked to beat a guy. He, that was his first thought, was get the ball, commit guys, beating them and stuff. And mm-hmm. you've got to admire that kind of confidence in a guy. And then even if you don't get by a guy, because he still still wanted it, still wanted to try and go by a guy. It was like like a I didn't get by him first time. He was like, well, well I'm going to prove I, I've got the better you. I can, I will get by you. Trust me, I'll have you on toast and stuff. And let's say guys like Maldini and that said how good he was and stuff. It's mm-hmm. that AC Milan game. Uh, the times he played them was just, the guy was absolutely ridiculous. Like just doing that wee flick where he sort of just does like a wee spin, but just flicks it away and stuff. It's some of the tricks he could do in that. Like you were, you maybe tried them out in your garden and nearly broke your ankle and stuff, but. <laughs> the guy, the guy was a, a top top player for us, and a guy that I really loved enjoying, uh, enjoyed to watch. Yeah, the come to the comments. Uh, Dear Thomas, he only got stick because he played for us. Lennon only got hassle from the Northern Ireland fans when he signed for Celtic. The press never watched. Press yeah. never watched. Called it out. Um, Camp fourteen. Ireland showed faith in him, and he stayed with them. Uh, Celtic will let him play for school. It's no ball for murder. And then McGrath comes in. I'm a big Ireland fan. You know my views in international football. It's the most annoying thing in the world. Unless unless it's a major tournament, these friendlies are crap. But to be fair, like with, with McGeady, you, you mentioned Anza's team. Obviously, do you think he would start in Anza's team? Uh, I think he would need to work on the stuff coming back the way and his press and his, his fitness and all the rest of it. But I mean, it was a totally different game back then, so he didn't need to do that. I mean, I, I, mm. For me, it would be a centre midfielder's or a fullback's dream where you you win the ball and it's just just give it give it to McGeady and see what he can do. Like Franny said, um, they would. I don't care if he he tried to attack the fullback and and didn't get by him six seven times in a game. It only takes that one to create a goal, and he was more capable of that. Uh, like I say, there's no and and in football, that's no. I think that it's difficult to name. Uh, a number of players where you would just say just get him the ball and let him work his magic but McGeady was definitely that and his time at Celtic 100% Yeah, I, I mean I would love the side of having Chad on the left, McGeady on the right like that would be that would be some some wing play there Franny and 
I think you're right, Willie. The game was different. To be fair, the pressing side of things, the whole tactical side of things, wasn't as evolved back then. And to be fair, we probably said that back then as well, about the nineties. But it, it continues. Football changes, Franny. Where, where would you see Aiden being in this team? Do, do you think he would be a nailed on starter or impact sub? It's hard because I think it's again you're looking at the way Ange plays. Am I putting him? If it's against us, against Rangers, am I got to put my head in my head? I don't think so, mate. I don't think so. I think my head is key and maybe even in a big European, it, but I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. It's like what I say. I think you would need, you would need to see him and Ange doing, doing the hard graft. Uh, I would, again, it's, it is a different, it's different systems. It's, it's hard to say, but I would like to see Magide would be able to fan to this team. I would like to see we'd get in there because maybe Argy is better than Jota. I think he's a luxury player and mm-hmm. and, I agree. and Ange kind of hate luxury that. players. No. He would be if McGeady was with us, he would be a Haxabanovic he'd be coming on for the last twenty minutes of games. Um Red Scotland Go ahead, Willie, sorry. No, I was done. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Didn't score as many goals as a batter, but he'd be better down the right than the, the Israeli and Jad on the left. Frightening prospect. Oh, yeah, 100%. I do <laughs> want to come to one thing quickly. I love the comments thrown up all these different curveballs. That's what I hope that this podcast would do. Well, he'd come to you. Don't have to spend too much time on it, like, but would Ange make the last 16 of the Champions League with Strachan's team? Um, that's a really good question. I think that a Possibly, because, but only because I felt like that team was a team full of workhorses that would non-stop. Mm-hmm. I think Barry Robson would be great in an Ange team, uh, mm-hmm. and at number six because he would just he would just because he'd never stopped ankle biter, great in a challenge, great passer, uh, goal eye for goal as well. I think like say I uh, Robson would, would definitely be an obviously Brown Bruni at the time. Um, yeah, I, possibly. Really good question, but. I mean, Strachan's team, team was. I mean, he made them pretty sound defensively, and that's saying something with the defence he had at the time. <laughs> I, and, uh, I like. I can't see. I can't see McManus driving out for the back like CCV, for example. But um, I definitely think it was a team full of workhorses. So if we're talking about work rate and high press and stuff like that, I think that a lot of the team could do that. McDonald again for the front, hmm. similar out to Kyogo. I don't think he would have stopped, and he did press and. And he had an eye for goal too. So I, I think possibly. It's a good question. It is a good question. And do you, Franny, will Lee Naylor and Andy Hinkle be able to play on spell? No, I'm only joking. <laughs> Same question to you. Do you think that Posta Caldu could have took Strachan's team into the last 16 as Strachan did twice? I've, I would like to say I just, mainly for the reasons well, I said that as, like we say, Ange likes what courses, likes guys that, uh, like we'll put a graph down for you and, Guys like Robson, Hartley, Telfer, Hinkle, Naylor, they, they, they did and Donald, like what I said, they'll put, they'll put a graft in. But to kind of sort of, uh, not, not flip it, I, I find that I'm hard, I find it hard to say that Ange would, but in the same token, I'm sitting going, how many of that Strachan's team would actually get into Ange's squad? And I'm trying to make an argument for anything, which is mad. <laughs> Uh, I mean, Postacoglu's team, I think we've spoken about it endlessly, excuse the pun, 
that it's just incredible. And I, I think yeah. if I see the comments here from Kevin 14, we are seeing a Celtic team better than we've seen in decades at this moment in time, and, and I firmly believe that. But we'll fast forward to McGeady leaving. Uh, Willie, obviously, Tony Mowbray came in, things fell apart for him. The team was kind of getting uh, dismantled. Neil Lennon came in after that. A £9.5 million pound move to Spartak Moscow in Russia. I mean, let's be honest, like he he, probably, he went there for the, the moolah, oh, the, the tax-free um, cash. He, he yeah, smelt it and he was there. I would agree with that, but also at the time, he's like, I mean, afterwards he said he, he was obviously, and we talked about horrible position where he was hated. There was times he was hated by his own fans. Because oh, oh, the, the whole Scotland thing and stuff as well. So I think he maybe thought, I need to get away for this. Um, and I, and that helps as well. Uh, Mega bucks. But I, I just think, I think the timing of it all, I think it was just right for the club and right for him, to be honest with you. Um, I under Mowbray. Did he not play him left back against St. Mern, the famous St. Mern defeat? I think there's a time that I think that's a time that I, I just think that it was one of these when the stars aligned. I think it was probably the right time for the player and the right time for the club. Unfortunately, I was sad to see him go, but yeah. um, I think it was the best thing for all parties at the time, to be fair. Yeah, and at that time, for only 9.5 million was a, a great wee bit of money that to get for a player in the Scottish League, albeit we hate saying that, but to Russia. He, he went and quite ironically he came back to Celtic Park with Spartak Moscow in a Champions League game and I think we beat them twice so he didn't have much luck coming up against the green and white again and he moved on to the likes of Everton uh, Sheffield Wednesday I believe a few other English clubs and he, now he's at Hibs where unfortunately he's picked up a, a, an end of season injury when he'd be out for a long time and probably the last we'll ever see Aiden, I think play football he's alluded to that fact himself and in recent interviews if you had the Marcus career at the time what would you give it? I would say a 7 out of 10 like could have done better I think for that the level of ability I had I think he could have could have done better I thought the spot like I understand I'm leaving Celtic and maybe he wanted to get I maybe thought he'd have went down to the Premiership but for the reasons he maybe left Celtic maybe thought England's not the best idea I need to go to a foreign country and stuff and maybe uh, Russia was the only place, and I think around about that time Russia were chucking a bit of money because like he had to Gary O'Connor's and all that went there. Then he was getting. I mean, that's not a high benchmark you're setting there if you're setting Gary O'Connor. It's not a high benchmark, but, <laughs> but Gary O'Connor went over the Hampstead there, and I think he was maybe getting about 20 to 25 grand a week and stuff. So, uh, Adam McGeady's coming for Celtic with a lot of European pedigree. I was disappointed to see him go. I, I, it was a big transfer fee, it's uh, still one of our biggest. And, at the time, it was it was a big transfer fee too. So, I just think after I think he'd done okay enough in Russia, but it, it sort of tetered out. I thought uh, maybe the team Spartak Moscow wanted to perform as well. Then he just kind of found his sell at Everton. I don't think it's like it worked out for him, and as you sort of started going down the sort of the, the leagues that or down the quality team anyway in England, just Sunderland too. His careers, yeah. <laughs> I think his career just kind of fizzled out. I think. For that level of ability, I think the guy could have done a lot better in his career. But there could yeah. be a lot of factors in that. I mean, he's still got nearly, what was it, nearly 100 caps for Ireland. That's, oh, he's under a half cap international caps, regardless of what country you're at. It's, that's not to be sniffed at. Yeah, and then to finally round it off, Willie, would you go along with Kevin here? I'd give you in about 40 million in career earnings. That's his win. Uh, hi. 
I, I, if I'm Aidan McGarry, I'm, I'm looking back at my career and, and being majorly disappointed. Um, the young, arrogant trickster that came in, uh, touted for big things. I think he, he he should have done far better in his career than he did. I mean, it's not a it's not a terrible career. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm I'm one that would welcome like when he comes back to the club. Whenever he does, I'm always one that would welcome him back with with open arms because I've only got good memories of him and uh, the good times he's gave us. But yeah, I think. But and, and exactly like Franny said, it's because of the, his ability and his potential. I think he's really had. Um, I, I think he would look back and say it's a it's a bit of a failure. Uh, I, I think if there was other players with half his ability at Celtic that have left and, and had the career he's had, I think they could say for a dis- decent career. But no, Adam McGeady. I think he, um, I think he had the ability to, to, to play for for Celtic for many years and possibly um, some top sides. Um, down south or around the globe as well, and it, it's just not worked out that way. It's just how it goes when you smell the tax-free cash of Russian football, <laughs> boys. But we'll move on from Aidan McGeady. I mean, much love former player of Saudi Football Club. Pick a number. We've still three players to talk about, lads. It's been great. Hope he's on too tired yet. Pick a number between <laughs> one to three, Willie, since we'll have to be backwards here and do it from okay. one to three. Go let's ahead. Go, let's go two then, right in the middle. Two. Now, this is, this is going to be... Quite a one to do here for obvious reasons, but it's the late, great Liam Miller. And that iconic goal he scored against Leon in the Champions League. What a player he, he could have turned out to be. Coming to yourself first, Franny, here about Liam Miller. Obviously, it's hard to speak about because, unfortunately, he's passed on and stuff. But we have to appreciate him as a player and appreciate what a young talent that he was for Celtic at that time. And I think he burst onto the scene around about 2000. 2001, I believe, when Martin Lee was first there. What was your, your first impressions of a young Liam Miller, Fanny? It was definitely a player I got excited about and stuff. It was, you always kind of want to see the youth come through and you tend to give them a wee bit of breathing space, give them more time and uh, things like that. But it was certainly, he really looked at a, a proper, proper player. He was so comfortable on the ball, bags of energy. You could just tell he was. You could, I think you could tell the guy was a proper, proper player. Like, he would have... Uh, it's easy to say it now that, like, obviously, you, you don't know because, obviously, the, the guy sadly has passed away. But I think he was a guy that would have went to the top the top of the game and stuff and, <clears throat> excuse me, had a really, really good career out of it. And that goal against Looney had... A, he was absolutely brilliant that game. And I think it was about 20-odd passes it, before it led to, the, led to him heading in and stuff. But... Mm-hmm. I Liam Miller, I thought he was a guy that would have really went places in the game. Yeah, I mean, as a young Aries man, I mean, we spoke about McGee and stuff there. What age was I in 2000? So I would have been six. And me and my granddad used to go to a Gilly club called St. Edna's. If anyone's watching from there, big shout out to you. And we used to sit and watch this big screen. My granddad used to have wee Shandy with his brother Michael. And you would get excited. I mean, I remember the players coming on. A wee, a wee guy appeared, Liam Miller. Unbelievable. And you're like, wow, he's from, from Ireland, so to speak. And Great talent, and I'm just looking here at the notes I took, and on the Celtic wiki page, they had like a wee pun, and it was like Miller time. It was like a, a beer advertisement back in the, back in the day, but the Celtic fans used to chant for him to come on. What what was your kind of early memories of a young Liam Miller? Yeah, again, super exciting, dynamic midfielder. Loved to get forward and, and get goals, and and the youth, um, the youth. Uh, it just shows you the youth at the at the time and previously we've we've had some players come through. Um great youth academy. Um, I really excited that goal as well. He burst onto the scene, Mika Richard style. And uh, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, proper dynamic midfielder and it was a joy to watch it's just a shame that we didn't get to see um, a bit more of him but this one's a bit different for me because mm-hmm. because of where he, because of where he went Aye. it's not it's no like um, he's he's went off to a lesser club um, so to speak to to try and progress or, or make money um, it's, it's difficult to say no when a team like, like that come calling I think there's a few clubs you can maybe make exceptions for in, in, in a case we're leaving and certainly the club we're going to speak about probably fits in that category obviously fits in that category and I think Liam Miller Franny took it to the not the lower level but the extreme level of going to a club and kind of dwindling down instead of a player leaving for a lesser club which Willie alluded to but just to talk about some of the, the times you with us European football goals like Leon and Anderlecht he scored against didn't he? Mm-hmm. He, he scored mm-hmm. in, in the Champions League campaign he also played in a, in a, in a game against Rangers, which are 1-1-0, I think 2003 time, with the likes of Maloney and stuff like that. And Could you see like him being, not levels above, but you, could you see the level, I mean, to get a club like Manchester United interested in you, could you see early on that he was the guy who was going to make that next step pretty quickly? I thought, I, I wouldn't maybe say to a Man United, but you could certainly see the boy was a, had a good chance of making it in the game and stuff, and Probably could have carved out a really good, really good career. To say that it would maybe it was a level above everybody, I, f- I wouldn't have always thought to say that at the time. I mean, he obviously came in with Matt Neal, then obviously. I mean, like, could you see? Could you see him going up levels? That's what I meant. Not like he was a level uh, above the current crop of players. You could, you could, you could see if uh, if his head space was his head was in the right place that he would uh, he could make it in the game and stuff. Like obviously, he had that sort of natural ability. That, like we said, he was really always comfortable on the ball, good good range of passing, an eye for goal, plenty of errors and things like that. So you could definitely see that the guy could carve out a good career and stuff. And like you say, like I think it was that uh, Kev that actually said that apparently Celtic off them 15, they went to Man United for 16. Uh, I know money, like, uh, if that's true, the money jump's not that high, but how many times has Man United got to come calling it? It's one of them... It, between them and Real Madrid, maybe Barcelona, but I would argue maybe Real Madrid are the globally the biggest team in the world, then it's Man United. If Man United come calling it, I think you've got to take that. You've got to you've got to take that risk and believe in yourself, you've got to make it, I think. Teams like Man United yeah. didn't come asking for him every t- every year. So I've no gripes with a guy leaving to go to a Man United. I mean, very early on. In, in his Celtic career, uh, Willie, there was talks about contracts getting, I think there was a, an offer on the table worth about £20,000 a week, approximately, according to Celtic Wiggy, which he, he stalled on for a couple of months and he was kind of dropped in the squadron about then and he was put back in the Celtic and obviously some elements of the supporters don't like what he's done. Certain names get banded about, like Judas and things like that. But as I said to Franny there, he seemed what I could tell that again, my memories of Liam Miller are very, very vague. I remember the Champions League games really well. But the games he played in, he certainly made an impact and he, he looked like he had star quality, to be fair. Uh, definitely. Uh, I mean, I w- for what I remember, I remember him, he looked a top, top prospect, but I didn't think that he was anywhere near the level of, well, Man United. But um, I think, I think he, he possibly could have got to a very very high level, and he looked like it. But for me at the time at Celtic, he, he was just he was a pro, he was just a prospect. I don't think that he had 
he's anywhere near his peak or um but, but he he did look a very, very talented footballer. But I totally agree with um Prani. Uh, and I'm one I've said it all this podcast. <laughs> I've said that every podcast going that you, you like if you didn't want to be here leaving all the rest of it, but I, I don't I've not got that ill feeling with um with Miller because like Franny said it's not often a club like that comes calling. And I always remember a Michael Owen interview where he's, when he left for Real Madrid, and he didn't want to go. He was loving it. This Liverpool was his club, and he was banging in goals, winning Ballon d'Ors, and he was doing everything. Um, and he didn't want to leave. But the last, the, 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 what kept going around in his mind, and his mind was, um, if I turn this down, I'll look back when I've retired and, and regret not taking the chance. And I think Miller would have done the same. I don't. I think it's really difficult to say no um, to a club mm-hmm. like Man United and the stature they were at, at the time, especially as well. Franny, I, I, I one of the biggest clubs in the world, but they were they were winning, winning titles every year, um, winning trophies. They were competing for everything, and they had one of the greatest managers of all time uh, at the helm as well. So um, it's very difficult to say no to that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in agreement. To be fair, but we'll come on to this move here. But first of all, I want to go into the comments. Paul Dad, remember I called him Duet. Jesus, he played his best football. <laughs> he played his best football at Celtic. Uh, Patrick McLaughlin, we stood by him for injuries as a player. Brown Moyer, I think he he stayed at Celtic for another three to five years. He could have reached a much higher level than he did. Such a bad move early on. Yeah, Brown Moyer, interesting, Franny. He was spoke about United. Larson said no. Maybe maybe two different types of personalities mm-hmm. there. Todd Smith, Fergie came up to watch the player and then seeing Liam and changed his mind. And we'll come on to the move. Now, this was what I was alluding to. There was a contract that was stalled upon. He got back into the team around about springtime 2004. The fans at that time were jeering him, as I said, calling certain names. And not shortly after that, it was announced that he joined United on a, on a pre-contract. And just a wee quote from Fergie. We recognise the potential of Liam. He has a great season at Celtic. He is very much part of a progress of thinking of developing a young team over the next uh, few years. Added to that fact, and added to the fact, probably, not speaking on behalf of him, but probably his idol, Roy Keane, an Irishman in the team. It's something, as a young man, you weigh up, isn't it? Oh, def- definitely. Like, obviously, the guy who's looking better than me, Stephen, obviously, over in Ireland, you're probably, like, you're either Celtic or Rangers, and then you're probably Man United fans as well, so... It was probably oh, you get, no, you get them people, you get them people who support two clubs. Jesus, oh... <laughs> Nothing annoys me more, but yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, people, individuals, like <laughs> and the support of uh, Scully's team, a France team, and a fucking, you know, it's oh, just no. like, go away. Go uh, away. Uh, go ahead, Tommy. Like, obviously, it, it probably had an affiliation to Celtic and then my United. So, to, to have obviously made his play for Celtic and stuff, and then Man United come calling it, well, I said, Fer- uh, Alex Ferguson, I reckon that would be a hard guy to say no and stuff. And, Let's say Roy Keane would have been there. Paul Scholes probably still kicking about around there. About that time, they've been top, top players at Man United. And it might have been hard for that guy to sit and go, right, I can stay at Celtic here. I'm, I, I am playing week in, week out. But like I said, Man United come calling. It's one of the ones. He's a young lad. He's going to improve his, his bank balance as much as it maybe kills us. He's, he's going to do that. And then they work under uh, Alex Ferguson the top players that will be at Man United, the top coaches and things like that, he probably thought that was maybe, would that be better for his career? It, probably not. I think he's probably should have stayed around about Celtic, but at the same time, 
it's one of them. I think it's it's a move that nine nine out of ten guys have got to make. Yeah, I mean to to look at it as well. Well, he like just to kind of round up Liam Miller here. He actually spent a bit of time under his management, uh, Roy Keane's management at Sunderland. It started quite well, but injury again to cold. Went to QPR, was released at the end of that season. International career, gone down to Swanee. He joined Hibs, funny enough, like McGeady has. Right. And I think he ended up at Cork City in Ireland to, to round off his career. But is it just a case of maybe United too early, too much pressure, kind of kind of ruined his career? So, like trying to meet their expectations? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I think it was probably a bit early, but like we said, you can't really say no. I think the ideal scenario would have been to sign, but then maybe come back to us on loan for a season or two to to continue his progression. But um, it's difficult. You, you can't say no. And, and I, I talked about Roberts going back to Man City earlier, but I, I, I just think Man United are different. I think that they've given chances to the likes of... Um, Dan Fletcher and all the rest of it. It's not big money signings. It's 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 young British players as well, as they've shown throughout the nineties, uh, and and continuing on. Um, so I I, I think he he definitely had obviously confidence in his ability, and I definitely think it's a team that he, if he worked hard enough, that Alex Ferguson would definitely have given him a chance. It's no mm-hmm. it's no uh, money bags Man City that that can just sign somebody for whatever, 150 million and just replace you. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think that it was a move and he, he obviously had uh, confidence in ability that he could he could break into the squad. And uh, I would imagine, he, I, I can remember him playing for United at times as well, so it's not as if it was a um, go there and rot in the reserves and then, then move elsewhere. So, uh, I, it's a strange one. I mean, you can, you can argue it's similar to um, KT now. And it's a big money, it's a big money move, but it's a top club. Mm-hmm. And can you say no? Um, and uh, obviously, Katie's having a bit of a tough time now. But it's we could be having this conversation about him in a few years' time. Um, um, but I, again, it's a, it's another one where it's like it's difficult to say no. And also um, adding into that, when the Katie situation is the board's because the money's so good, it's it's kind of a pushing you in that direction as well. But um, I, Liam, I've got rest his soul. Uh, top top talent, and I, I, I've, I've got no qualms with him moving away. I don't like to hear all this Judas stuff, and that I think sometimes fans get a bit heated in in the moment, yeah. and it's difficult to and the emotions run. Um, but uh, I was a top prospect when he came through, and I but I do think the move was just probably just too early for him. I mean, big red comes in to kind of round it off here. No one should be staying at any club, clubs won't stay with you. Ask Paddy. Uh, current, he never asked to leave, but Manchester United wasn't making of him. He's still something mad. They sold him. Yeah, kind of sums it up. And as I said, the as I said, everyone who's listening at the start, kind of hard to talk about due to circumstances. He's unfortunately passed away. And if anyone's listening who knows him or was friends with him, our thoughts and prayers are with you guys and his family and the wider footballer circle. But guys, we'll, we'll go on to the final two here. It's been a great chat so far. People still getting involved, which is great to see. So now we have. Two players left. So, Franny, one or two? He's got one again. Let's not go mental. I'll go one again. <laughs> oh, God. Here he comes. Big Odson Edward. Now, this, this should be a, a quite a good talking point. That's, I'll start with you, Willie. Um, come in to the club on loan, firstly. Let me get my notes on him before I kind of lose track. I want to actually read a few, say a few things about him. 
when he was with PSD, he won an award, which is Best Player in Academy, which is only been won by the likes of Kingsley Coman, Mbappe. He scored over 80 goals, broke, breaking records in their youth competitions, got nicknames like The Rocket and Magic Godson. Joined Celtic on loan initially. I think he made, did he make his first appearance against Hamilton? Always remember that pitch, and he scored a goal. And then bright yellow boots he used to wear. What was your impressions of the man? Because obviously, big Moussa Timbele was still there, so it was a, a tough ask to get him into that team at, at the start, anyway. At the time, to get somebody, um, the prospect of Odson from one of the biggest clubs in the world, and uh, and uh, not only that, but at an international level, obviously, at, at the under 21s, was. Unbelievable for us in the pulling power. Um, and I think Rogers had a big say in that, to be honest with you. I don't know if, um, for example, like St. Lennon was in charge that somebody like Hodgson Edward would have came over to us. Um, but uh, he, he, it's, like you say, it's difficult to come to a side that Moussa Dembele's in. Um, but he did. And, and uh, I think the best thing for him was to, uh, for Moussa to move on because he. <laughs> I will go on that um, <laughs> because um, as much as it's similar to Foster for me, I'll go on to how my feelings are on him uh, now later on. But when he was at the club, he was an absolute god for us, and through the through all the trebles, he was a massive, massive part of that. And he's he's given me much like Rogers. I know there's a bad taste in the mouth, but Edward's the same. He's given me some of my favourite memories as a as a, as a Celtic supporter, and especially in recent times, but of, of all time, some of the goals he's scored and, and these big matches to win trebles is uh, some of my fondest memories. So, yeah, what a player he was. Um, not showing it so much now, though. Which I will come on to, great point. <laughs> but Willie spoke about Franny, about the fact that he's given some great memories. We'll get stuck right into one of the first ones he gave us in his first season, just to kind of give you the stats. 29 appearances, 11 goals, which is quite uh, good on his first loan spell. But the one goal that we all remember from that season is the the one to win 3-2 at Ibrox, down to 10 men, cutting in from the left, putting the pass McGregor to the right-hand side. That made, for me, Edward, a player at Celtic. I think that was his sort of... A... Breakout moment, if you, you like, because obviously he was, like you say, he was competing against Dembele and, and even a Griffiths who was still scoring plenty of goals at the time. Uh, and I'd, he had obviously scored goals. You could see there was a talent and they're still young. I think he was only 19 when he came in alone and stuff. So there was still a lot, of, a lot of rawness about him. But the guy was an absolute top, top player. Like that goal against Rangers did. The goal that effectively got us to where we are with attendances and now as much as <laughs> much as some folk will try and deny it, that's it's lots of nobody's the game allowed in. Uh, it's, it's lots of the game that we got banned after from, and and yeah, you get that that great moment as well where we went down to ten men and Rogers is getting all this with the, the fingers and that and Motley's uh, whistling and that and it's it just showed the different different class and level uh, in managing things and Edward for me was an absolute. Absolute baller, like what what a striker this guy was. When he was on it, he was absolutely look how perky Franny is. I'm loving it. Uh, I, honestly, I think Edward, like, I I, I would probably no, I'd probably hit Dembella for Edward if I'm honest. Uh, really, I, I think he was ah, uh, probably, I probably. Um, Edward is is superb, superb, and 
yeah. I just, I, I really did, I really did rate the guy. Was was disappointed when he left, but under I think it was probably, I would say it was a season too late. But then if you actually look at that that season where he stayed, I think he scored twenty five goals or something uh, mm-hmm. in that COVID season. So it's one of the ones did they really down tools or I don't I don't know, but I I do think he should have left a season before he actually did and maybe gave us a, a chance. Wally always says it with like resting on our laurels. I, I I he's touched on that season plenty of times. I think we did as much as we kept your IRs, your your Edwards and stuff and reinvested it in and guys like Ayeti and, and Shane Dawson and things, it was, I think on paper it was probably the best transfer window in, in memory, but by God, it was a disaster. It was a disaster. But, uh, Edward, I think, is an absolute super, super talent. And what a player player was. I, as much as I would probably say Dembele is better, I would say Edward and the Sands team before Dembele. I, I, I get your thinking on that one, but just to come to the comments, John Duncan's come in. Now, John, I agree with you on some things, but I think you've got the fishing rod out here just a wee bit. I don't, don't want to bite tonight. But Patrick McLaughlin, he comes in. He never got going until the winter break in that first loan season. I mind he tore a hole out of hearts at Celtic Park in a midweek game. Um, Charles Smith, just think he was better than he was. If he was on it, we could win the game. If not, waste of time. I think, to be fair, like, Willie, that's general consensus among the Celtic support that he could switch it on and he was magical at, at some points. And just to touch upon it just briefly, remember at the start of his second season and pre-season, they were toying with the, the two up front with Eddie and Dembele. And before Dembele left, how frightening would that have been if that actually happened? Scary thought. I think actually, I think Ed, Edward was good enough technically. He could he could have played number 10 or... Mm-hmm. And, and he did. He played them at left sometimes as well. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I I totally agree with what people are saying. No, he was. He, I mean, if he didn't, if he wasn't interested, then um, he was like having a man down at times. Um, but when he did show up, what a player! Uh, but I, I mean, it's just whatever mood you got him in. Uh, I think he's another one that's a luxury player, to be honest with you. Um, at times, uh, but again, much like we talked about with McGeady, it's there was times where it was give him the ball and and let him work his magic. Very good technically. He could dribble, and uh, he knew where the back of the net was as well. Uh, he was a top top player. Well, see, see the comeback. They see with the output of it. The first season obviously was hard for him getting into that team, but if we look at it, first season twenty nine appearances, eleven goals. Was it quite quite surprising for you at that time that we spent the nine million on him? Uh, no, because because of the prospect that he was and what he was doing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I, because of what he was, like, it's not just what he was doing with us, but I mean the prospect, like, and the selling value. Like, we knew that he was going to go for big bucks eventually. Uh, what he was doing at international level at the under twenty ones and stuff like that as well. So, um, I wasn't surprised to see us uh, shell out the money. No, and especially with Dembele was gone as well. So, it uh, would definitely need somebody to fill that void. And by God, did he do that? Uh, he, he did it in spade lose to be fair to him when he was with us and Franny he started the next season on fire kind of taking the mantelpiece away from Dembele at that time and the first game I think it was the Glasgow Derby game against Rangers at home he scored twice and I, I look at these games and always think to myself that the likes of Alfredo Morelos hasn't scored in ever many games and he's getting compared to our strikers saying that he's better or he's on par with these guys but we have strikers that turn up and 
deliver on the big stage. And definitely in these games, Edward seemed to have fun. It did. It just, I think it was just the nature of the guy. He had that sort of uh, style how he played a bit like Berbatov looked like. He didn't do a lot of work, looked lazy and stuff, but it was it was just the way the guy played. And I think, I think the big games, Edward, as much as he was a top, top player, uh, no, I wish I was a Premier Dance, a travel lodge. Oh, <laughs> 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 on a services day at a services we've got a shop with fucking two quid for a bar of chocolate <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Ed, like Edward it, it almost felt like he was a, a bit like a TV when, when the big games were on the TV cameras there that's when I think he got the proper proper Edward they knew when and you when the eyes of the world were on him and stuff like the European games, the Rangers games, it, it was always brilliant. But sometimes, maybe against your Hamilton's, your Ross County's away from home, it just, I think he felt maybe he was a wee bit above that. Um, <laughs> uh, I think he maybe thought he was a wee bit above that and maybe thought to himself, what the hell am I doing here? But the guy, I, I, I do, do think the boy was a top, top player, but it was more... Yeah, I, I did get the feeling sometimes he just turned up when TV cameras were on. Yeah, as as lazy as laziness was called out very early on, uh, Billy, and I don't know if before come on to it, Mark Kearney comes in, Edward in his first season, I think his goals versus Liam, where to go, got him the contract. His second was great, his third was frustrating. I think he was a decent signing on nothing more. There's a few people of that thinking as well. Uh, John Duncan. Edward put lots of weight on and became lazy. When he first came, he was slim and fast. He, he puts Again, he puts lots of weight on and, <laughs> and becomes lazy. Uh, Paul Dad said, do you for any Barlini? I don't think so. I mean, he's not going to phone a liver. But <laughs> do, you remember Charlie Nic- do you remember Charlie Nicholas? Willie called him out and, about his lazy celebrations and Eddie replied to him going, I celebrate my goals how I want. If you don't like it, that's not my problem. And I think, to be fair to Edward, it was frustrating to see that he a bit nonchalant, just kind of galloping around the pits, not really pressing with any fears. But what you can say, like when he had the ball at his feet, nine times out of ten, you're expecting something to happen because whether it would be finishing an opportunity or coming deep from the edge of the box, taking a few pairs on and finishing the, the bottom of corners or top bins, he was really effective when, when he was on his game and, and firing, wasn't he? Uh, definitely. Of course he was. I, I mean, like I said, all the... Um trebles he was a massive part of that um and the goal in the in the in the Sevco game as well when we went down to, to 10 was just magic i think that was a turning point for him in his career at celtic but he's um i think that <laughs> i think that um i think that people feel like that see when he was at celtic and he was firing nobody would and it doesn't matter how lazy he looked or how he was something about um, we loved him. We absolutely. Yeah. I, I, remember, I remember. I remember people saying he's the he's the best striker we've had since Henrik and all that at the time. Um, I think that just because of that season, even though even though his numbers would probably say he didn't have a bad season, I think his whole demeanour and the fact that we lost the ten that season, and then him moving on leaves a bit a bitter taste in some people's mouths. So I think that they kind of downplay. What he did at the time, in my opinion, because I think when he was with us, he was absolutely on top of the world. He was doing it, at, albeit under twenty ones. I think he's France's under twenty ones top goal scorer ever. Oh, ever. Yeah. Um. So, 
he, he was a top, top, top talent, and I would, I would definitely agree that he's one of the, one of the best strikers we've had, and yeah, in the last recent memory anyway. And like I said, he's that the, the Scottish Cup final where. Yeah, I know one was a penalty, but um, against Hearts, so he, he gets in behind, kind of scoops, kind of scoops in the top corner, and wins, wins us another trophy. I mean, um, I thought Henrik Larson, you're waxing lyrical about him. I just think that the way the his final season, how the season turned out for the team. I think if we won the league that year and they moved on, I don't think anybody would have an issue. Uh, yeah, I just think that because it just kind of leaves a bad taste in some people's mouths, so they kind of remember him for that rather than. The good stuff, and I think that the good stuff far outweighs the bad. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he is. It's, it's like Edward. Remember the Panicki he scored against Gordon, and Gordon took an absolute hissy fit for the ball. And all. And, and that game it was it was magic. He was just that kind type of person. He probably didn't mean anything bad, bad but. Patrick McLaughlin comes in when he beat Lazio in Rome. Eddie was probably at that point potentially a thirty million pound striker. I'll come to the comments again. Paddy says he was on upward trajectory at that point. Hundred percent agree. I think we were alluding to this earlier. Ayer, Eddie and Christie should have been punted for big money when they wanted away. But we held on to the 12 months too long. Fresh players would have made a difference going for the 10. But Grandin comes in again to finally get that headboard mm. and star plan. <laughs> 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 you know what is. <laughs> it's, a, it's a shop over here, an Ari Sal bedroom <laughs> shop. But um, you, you look at it as well, and speaking about that Lazio game, he provided the assist for Nisham to, to score that like ninety third minute winner and Sutton going absolutely ballistic in, in the BT uh, sport commentary and I mean seven thousand Celtic fans in Italy. It, them games for me like as as Willie said they're like we always kind of pigeonhole a player when they leave and sometimes it's rightly so. Let's be honest, sometimes players are absolute dicks and they make a big noise and a big song and dance about it want to leave and to be fair. Towards the end, Eddie probably was the epitome of being that type of player, in my opinion. But just in this current stage, like against Lazio and doing that for for Nietzsche and then his wee chip as well over the goalkeeper, it was just fantastic play. And I mean, you had the likes of Edward Nietzsche and at that time Julian, the French connection. It, it worked out well to a point for Celtic, didn't it? It, it certainly did. I think uh, the three them obviously. Were, were key key players like in Charm as well. In <laughs> uh, Charm is another one on his day. He could absolutely control a game, I think. And but the days were very very few and far between. At times it was maybe one good game and about three bad games for In Charm. Mm. But again, it was another another really good player. It was that's a guy that maybe could have made this last week. Actually, I think about it. Yeah, he, he could have. But, he uh, could have. Uh, but I uh, Edward. Uh, I, I, he was properly that season on, on top top his game and as a catch twenty two one as much as maybe he didn't want to be a selling cup Celtic or still a selling cup to an extent and things and yeah. you do sometimes you're stuck between a rock and a hard place you're keeping your best players but then selling them at the premium the optimum time so to speak and that it's and maybe that was just. <laughs> <laughs> I think hindsight's a wonderful thing. I think, I, and, I, and I agree, right? But see, at the time, if we sold Edward when everybody's saying we should have sold him, every one of the oh, people that are saying that would have been right at the board giving it. You can't leave yourself no, the best players. I don't agree. Oh, fuck I do. Going for <laughs> the 10, I don't think, I don't think no. Lenny... Going like, for the 10, you sell your star striker. You, you don't think there would be uproar. Lenny's not getting away with that. The board Lenny would be getting, 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 getting,
Mm-hmm. I think though it's 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 a two it's a two way street. That's one Willie to be fair. There were signs that towards the end of that season, Eddie wanted to leave. You could you could kind of tell yeah. we but and there there was noise and obviously the media and stuff. But coming from Eddie's agent and he was always being interviewed about where he wants to go next. And I think it was it was prominent that he wanted to go, but Neil Lennon kind of pulled a put a hard a hard one on that and said no. And I think if we had a soul, these guys before hindsight again, Willie, I totally agree. Recouping that transfer money, I mean, to be fair, to trust Lenny to spend it, we probably would have ended up with like fucking Peter mm-hmm. Crouch up front out of retirement. But it's one of them things. I do get what you're saying, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, would the really though? Big Red comes in. There's no way Anz would let them let them slack Ledbiowski 110. percent And th- just a quick fire, quick fire to yourself, Willie. Saying it, there's Kaiser coming in. Face it, lads. Eddie was a banger. He chucked it, cost us, went away, ball bag. Pretty good summary there, guys. <laughs> Pretty harsh. <laughs> but um, coming to yourself, would he get in this Anz team over Kyogo? Uh, no, just because of the style. I oh, think I think there's someone. I think there's You think so? Nah. I just think that uh, I think there would definitely be a place for him in the squad. But I, I just think the style and the way Ange plays, I'm not so sure that Edward would fit that, to be honest with you. I think Edward liked more to come short rather yeah. than Kyogo Press. He was a great link up player, wasn't he? He was great at the Owl 1 2s yep. coming from deep in that. Right. And same to yourself, Franny, just quick fire. And instead of Kyogo, what are you saying? Yes, but uh, I oh. might be the detriment to the team. I'll be honest with you. When you look at like what Willie said, I think I've said that before. I think our team is Kyle was perfect for our team. Some of how Maida's perfect for our team, but I just think the ability Edward, I would I'd be putting him on for not to say that Kyle's not got ability, but I would probably put Edward in a for it, but it might be the detriment of the team. There's no doubt in his quality. And kind of summing up, odds and Edward, he moved the Crystal Palace for reportedly eighteen million pounds, started well, scoring goals. But fell quickly out of favour. The likes of uh, uh was it? I can't remember the name of the striker now. That's, that's escaped me. Shit. But he fell out of favour with Fiera. Now he sacked Big Roy's back in. Where do you think he goes from? Where do you think he goes from here, Willie? Do you think he has a career still in the English Premier League, or is it off ski to France or Bundesliga? Yeah, I hate to say it, but I think that it's. I think it might be a downward spiral for here. He's definitely not got. Um, what's that? Aye. I agreed, mate. Totally agree. Um, well, he's not. He's not really. He showed glimpses. He's what he did with us at Palace when he first came in, but he's not really. He's not really. He's not shown it since, and he's not setting the world alight. So I think that because of that, your his value is definitely decreasing, and the people that are looking uh, looking at him as the standards maybe not as as big either. Um, unfortunately, at this moment in time, I think that if he does go anywhere, I don't think it will be. I don't think it will be going upwards. I think it would be a step backwards. Yeah, I can see him making the move to like a, I don't know, like a mid-table French club, Aye. or a like a, a man's in Germany or something like that. It's it's one of these things. I mean, he's he's made that list for that reason. He kind of went at the first time of asking, failed the Crystal Palace so far. Maybe it's down to Styles of manager, maybe Roy Hodgson, the, the tactical genius at seventy five years mm-hmm. old, can come in the Crystal Palace and rejuvenate the team. We'll never know. 
But we'll move on to the next player, the last player. I'm sure some of you are glad to hear that, but I've been quite enjoying this show. Um, and it is the man himself, Gary Cooper, number 88. What a number to pick. And after that moment, by the way, I'm coming straight to you, Willie. And you're like, no! <laughs> you, to be fair, you, to be fair, you love Gary Hooper. You always talk about him when you can. And to all of us love Gary Hooper. Just give you the, the, the perspective here. Signed from Scunford for £2.4 million pounds in July 2010. Was the Championship's top goal scorer. Before that, fighting it out with the likes of Andy Carroll, who went on to somehow better, like better career, but playing for England and stuff like that, which baffles me. Gary Hooper's come in, 22-year-old, £2.4 million pounds from Scunthorpe. At that time, though, were you a wee bit underwhelmed to hear a Scunthorpe striker coming, or did you know about Gary Hooper back then? No, I didn't I didn't know about him at all. Um, I wouldn't say underwhelmed, just a bit like a bit like Ange coming in, to be fair. Um, it was a bit of the unknown. Uh, but when he came in, geez, oh man. Uh, only, <laughs> only, Alice's camera must be broke. There's only uh, there's only two players that I can remember that have left us that has absolutely broke my heart, and um, Gary Hooper was one of them. We talked about Paddy Roberts earlier, and if he stayed, could he have became a legend? And I, I, I disagreed with that. I think Gary Hooper could have. I think he could have broke every goal scoring record going at Celtic if he stayed because he was absolutely electric scored every type of goal and he was a proper old fashioned penalty box striker as well um, and at the time I just I just I, just the variety of goals he scored and he, he, he could just nip in and, and get a goal for anywhere and I think we lacked that for a long time at Celtic um, even across the city they had the likes of Boyd and stuff like that. And obviously, can he stand Chris Boyd? But and like a poacher, just somebody that would mm. be in the box scoring goals. I thought we were really lacking that. And then Hooper brought that and and more. Um, I mean, the goal where he sits Davy Weir in his arse and then slots in the bottom corner is 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 unbelievable. Uh, me personally, I thought he was um, at the time. Honestly, I, I just I just loved everything about the guy. Absolutely broke my heart when he left. Um, he scored as he scored. He scored like eighty odd goals in one hundred and twenty games oh, or something. Incredible record. Yeah. I honestly yeah, think yeah. if he stayed, he would have surpassed Hartson. And I think if he stayed long enough, he could have surpassed Larson's goal scoring record. I honestly think he was that good mm-hmm. a, a finisher. I just think he was just it was just goals. Yeah, I mean, see to be fair, do Willie like. It must be contagious, and the comments just really kicked off there. I want to go back to some of them. Plunge McNugget, uh, Super Hooper, uh, Brown Warrior, Poundy Box Striker, Lethal, in capital letters to emphasize that point. Uh, Kaiser, Hooper, great player, that the English poor poison in his ear. There's England call a few if you're in the Premiership, got him out of Celtic, and he faded the obscurity after that, like the rest. Again, that's quite ridiculous what we're going to speak about. Charles Smith, we all loved Hooper, just come up here and battered the goals in. Patrick McLaughlin scored in the Champions League, and then that was the question to yourself there. And you, you look at it, Scott High as well, Love Hooper. Another player, I think personally, and he, another kind of one of them careers that went down the pan after he left us, but probably to his own detriment and his own personal life, to be fair. But him and Anthony Stokes, Franny, had a great partnership. Stokes on the left, Hooper in the middle, and in their first season, they scored 40 goals together as a, as a, as a dual combination from the, from the left wing and up front. 
do you think, as William said there, that was missing from Celtic for quite a few years? Obviously, we experienced the end of Strachan. Then Mowbray came in. It was terrible. Neil Lennon came in, took away to implement what they wanted from the squad. And when you see the likes of Stokes, who was another talent who kind of maybe faded away early in his career, going to Arsenal, went to Falkirk, 16 goals and 16 whatever games it was, went to Sunderland, and then he came to us and he kind of hit that boom, the peak, and then Hooper was out at the right time and it just formed this kind of good relationship. It's just sometimes find that in football players and strikers find relationships with somewhere like you've got the famous one with York and Cole that just, I think it's actually... I might just be totally making this, but I'm sure they didn't get on off the park, but on the park, they were, or it was shared. In fact, no, I think it was shared on Sunday. I reckon I'm talking nonsense. But uh, sometimes strikers just seem to find, they find a partner and it, it, it just works. And him and Stokes were, were brought together. Like Hooper was just as an actual goal scorer, was silly, man. Like, it, it guaranteed you, I mean, somebody's probably got to proving me wrong here and saying I've scored 20 goals a season at Celtic but I think he guaranteed you 20 goals a season for, for the start of the season it was one guarantee that Hooper would get staying fat would get at least 20 goals and I think it came on like maybe two or three seasons before he actually scored a goal outside the box but again he wasn't bought in for that he was bought to be in the, be in the penalty to be lethal and it, it was just these his touches, his awareness where he needed to be. I was something, well, never knew anything about the guy. Obviously, you look at his score, scoring record, going well, he's coming a bit of pedigree, but can he step up to a club like Celtic and by God, he did. I think for me, Dembele or Edward come into the equation for best striker, but goal scorer, nobody's touching him since Larson. Like, I think for a goal scorer, right, Edward yeah. and Dembele, and that are just no, no getting near Hooper. I think he was. Absolutely superb, but just banging the goals in like somebody said earlier. Just it came up here, scored goals, and left. But I, I, I do agree with what Wally said. I think if he did stick around, he would have he would have went on to score a silly amount. I think. By the way, see I that mean, question I, about him being the best since Larson. I thought that mm-hmm. meant at the time. All right. Aye. Like now, now, <laughs> now, 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 now I would say like Dembele, probably. Yeah. Out some for me, but at the time when he was in, hundred percent oh, easy. I remember when we when we signed Hooper from the championship, and again it was the season. As I said, he was fighting it out with Andy Carroll, and Carroll somehow ended up in at Liverpool from Newcastle yeah, that season as well. Thirty five million quid, and we signed the, the top goal scorer in that league from Scunthorpe for two point five. It's magic to me how English football works. I don't know if I have a. a, a Specific type of player profile they were looking at back then, but Jesus me, Carl was honking in my opinion. Very early on, I mean, again, I want to watch your head explode here, Willie, because I don't know if you've seen it, so you can see the comments as well here. But Patrick McLaughlin, Hooper interchanging with Kyogo, Jada, and Hatate would be a dream. What, what would you say about that? Unbelievable. See, this is what, um, like Franny said it there about him, um, like, and I say that penalty box striker, um, see. Oh, my fucking biggest pet hates. See, and and obviously you want your striker to stretch lines and 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 move and stuff like that as well. But see when, um, see if a winger's attacking and a striker comes out and fucking overlaps him or whatever. Like get in the box. You're there to score goals. <laughs> That's why I love Kyogo as well. You never see him. He's always hitting that front post. If that ball's out wide, he's in the position, hitting the front post or on the six yard box or waiting for the ball to come in. And that was Gary Hooper all over. 
I've got to hope I played in this team. Now, mm. again, I'm not so sure Ange would fancy him just because mm. of the work rate and all the rest of it. But if it was just purely for him to be in there scoring goals with the chances we create, my God, the amount of goals he would score this season would be unbelievable. Yeah, Neil Lennon very early on said he was been one of his best signings in so many ways. I think what gets underlooked, underlooked by Hooper, I was when I was reading up on him and stuff. Alistair Jack, well, he's spunking over that fault, boys. He definitely is. <laughs> but I think very early on, what we noticed as well was, like I said, with Stokes Rani, his link up play. He wasn't just a poacher. He could come outside no. the box. He could spread a pass. Mm. He could control it. He could whip it anywhere. To be honest, with both feet. And another couple of stats for people who are, who are listening and watching. He scored a laugh ever Celtic ago versus the old Rangers. I found that interesting. And he's scored four and five goals in one match against Rafe Rovers and Hearts, respectively, right. in terms of right. the clubs. That, to me, Franny, if he had stayed, and could you imagine the chances the Rogers team would have created, Anne's yeah. team would have created for him? You're talking, I mean, 150-plus goals if, if he had stayed on. Ah, if if you got the Larson years out of Hooper, I, I think he's outscoring Larson, absolutely outscoring Larson. It's I, I think he, especially in this team, I think he could he could touch the forty goal, but I think he'd be scoring doing Kyle's numbers. He's he's a lot more clinical than. Uh, what does that mean? Is he being tricky? Doc, no, it's a doctor. I've never oh, watched. I've never seen an episode back in. Never seen him. Go ahead, Tommy. Uh, I think I know Kyle Gold was here on 35 or something this season and I think we've all said that Kyle Gold isn't the most clinical in the world I don't think you can argue I, I think uh, Hooper is at, like he's absolutely dead in front of all of you if you present Hooper with the chances that uh, you make in this team uh, the day he's scoring his numbers are he's touching Haaland numbers maybe <laughs> It's magic. Uh, honestly, then, Cooper's, I was saying, I'm not saying he's as, as good as as good as Haaland, obviously, but I just think finishing is. I don't think there's been anybody, anybody since him anyway that I would put in his bracket for goal scoring. Yeah, he's he's an, he's an incredible goal scorer. And, well, you were talking about memories of players, and one that sticks out to me was it Spartak Moscow he scored against Aye. from the outside of the box, bottom right corner. It was a crucial goal, the Davy Weir one where he, he sat him on his arse and. He scored two in the Scottish Cup final in twenty thirteen. What's your favourite memories of Gary Hooper? You you love the fella and rightly so. The comments blew up when I mentioned him, but what's something you remember most of all from his time at Celtic? Um yeah, the moments, but I, it's just it's just his goal scoring ability. By the way, Monty, my favourite doctor's Doctor Joe, just if I <laughs> um, No idea. Um, Doctor Joe Bengals had that. I know, I know, but I'm, my mind's going over time here. Think what Monday, man? Um, is it because of the Buddha behind me? I don't. That Buddha's just there. I um, yeah, I just absolutely idolised the guy. I don't know. You just get, get, get an affinity with certain players and just fall in love, much like I'm doing with certain players in this team. Um, and I, uh, I, it was just his absolute clinical nature. And uh, you, you said he scored every type of goal. I like the fact that he was. Like he was, he was fairly quick as well, quicker than people mm-hmm. people think. But mm-hmm. I, he, he was a stocky wee so and so day, and he could put himself about, which I liked as well. Um, 
just a top top player. Honestly, there was like I said, there's only two in, in recent memory. Um, like even like when Larson left, just because I knew it was coming and because of the caliber of player he was and he deserved to go, I wasn't as obviously I was I was up, upset, but I wasn't like a sudden dagger to the heart like like Hooper. But there's only two players that have done it to me in recent memory, and he was one of them. I was honestly absolutely heartbroken, especially because yeah. it's no like you've been talking about Liam Miller earlier. If it was a Man United or, or an Arsenal or something coming in for Hooper, then you could be like, you know what, son, fair enough. But it's because of where he went to as well. I was like, oh, come on. Yeah. There's, a lot of love in, there's a lot of love in the comments for Lee Griffiths. And again, there's no doubt Lee Griffiths was a quality striker, but one season, 40 goals, and it was just the old quote, fit and fire Lee Griffiths will be smashing. His career went down the, down the tubes as well, due to certain things. But he's playing over in Australia now in the, in the second division with his mate. So hopefully he recoups and gets a couple of goals for them. But they kind of rounded off, Franny. I was reading, obviously, when I was doing research about those different times of Hooper's career. And towards the end, there was kind of a an over-reliance on Gary Hooper to score the goals for Celtic. We must sign the likes of Lassad, Brozniak, the police guy, Miku. They all failed. So... To carry the amount of goals that he did over the three seasons or three and a half seasons he was with us, like Willie said, goal scoring ways, reliability, barely ever injured, could do anything with the ball, I thought. For me, co- complete striker and he really served his time well at Celtic. I think, like, like Willie said, it was at like eight odd goals in 120 games. If you're getting that uh, to an about million, that's, that's money well spent. <laughs> It's, it's money well spent. The guy, like I say, guaranteed you 20 goals a season. There's no enough credit I can give Hooper, to be fair to the guy. It's... Oh, I could say that. Say that <laughs> if, if Hooper had the mindset as well, the guy we're talking about, it, but I kind of, a wee bit of me understood maybe Hooper gone down. And I, I think maybe he was a similar one, if similar sort of mindset to Foster, how he went, he went down there to try and Gave still a chance of getting an England squad, but uh, do you think um, at the time he was with us? Do you think at the time he was with us, he should have got an England cup, Franny? I mean, Rooney was about when it. It's it's hard. Rooney was. Did Rooney not drop deeper around about that time? I'm not sure. I think Rooney was still maybe playing as a striker then. Then who else would have been Darren Bent? The full that team. The full might have been kicking up with the problem with it. So it's one of them. These guys were doing it in the Premiership. I don't know. I would maybe obviously put a bit more friendlies in, but what's the point of getting a friend if you're never really going to get called up when it matters? I, I don't exactly. I don't think just thinking who try to think of off the top of my head, like guys that might have been about then, like I say, I can't think by running if you're if Rooney I think would have still been being England's main striker then you're you're not getting anywhere near that. I don't care how good Gary Hooper was, you're not getting near that. Well, what about you, Willie? I think it's a, an argument that you maybe could have. I know what Franny said, really different level and all that, world class and stuff, but do you think he could have maybe got one or two here and there? Uh, I think it's difficult, to be fair, uh, the, the, the calibre. And, and again, um, the English ignorance, but I, the team, mm-hmm. I mean, like Robbie Fowler only got a handful of caps for England. I know it was mm-hmm. there was a much better calibre of player back then, but there's, for some reason... Um, there's just certain they've all, they've got an abundance of talent. I, I I think it would have been I think it would have been tough for them. That's why I don't understand the move as well. That's what hurts me more because I think 
if you're really honest with yourself, um, I don't think he's going to get near that squad, to be honest. So, uh, aye, that's what hurts more about his move, to be honest with you. I mean, let's tie up his move. He moved on to Norwich for £5 million, played a good couple of games, but injuries took a toll. Played for the likes of Wellington Phoenix in Australia, uh, Kerala Blaster in India, and now he plays with Gulf United in Dubai second here, will he? Kind of points at all, doesn't it? Didn't look at that team. I don't know what there's a whole lot of clubs. I've narrowed down to three. I'm not reading the list of clubs. There's been quite a lot. Lennon signed them again for that like I year, but I don't know if he even played. Nah, I don't think he did. Lenny got sacked like two weeks after he joined, so I know. I know Adam Matthews plays there and he's quite content and stuff, but do you think like that kind of downward spiral kind of stem from Celtic Willie? What so, sorry that for Hooper? So yeah, going from Norwich to Golf United in Dubai, do you think that's kinda of, it seems to be like a common thing. Players just seem to bomb nine times out of ten. Yeah, um, I mean like I say, I think he's chasing chasing something. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's. Cha- I think Hooper was chasing something that was never going to be achievable, uh, to be honest. And I, that's what I think uh, hurts me more. I reckon if you had him sitting here on the podcast the night and asked him, I think he would probably regret that move. To be fair, um, although saying that at the time, I don't think he had played. He was he was lower league, so um, he probably grew up in England dreaming about playing in the in the English Premier League. Uh so I mm-hmm. I can't blame him for for like that side of things. I think it's different with the like say players that don't come from the country that move on. Mm. Um but he's obviously grown up aspirations of playing FA Cups and English Premier Leagues and that's uh I don't think it's just the England Cup. I think that's that that uh, side of things as well. And we've seen it with other players that you can go down to to teams that are in the, the lower half of the league and, and end up making a decent career, uh, like Van Dykes and Wanyamas and all the rest of it, I've, I've went on to bigger clubs. Um, so I can understand why, but I reckon if he looks back now, he'll probably regret regret moving on, as many others. By the way, I want to say, you said about him taking the mantle of goals, I think that's a bit unfair because we had the likes of Commons. Yes, well, what I mean, striker-wise, no, the, you, the main striker position, that's I all, man. But yeah, Commons, Samras, they were great goal scorers <laughs> in their time. Commons got over 35 goals in one season. But guys, that brings us to the end of the Grass Isn't Always Greener podcast. Have you enjoyed it? I have, mate. We could have I probably thrown it. about another 10 players and chatted away, but no, I did really, really enjoy that looking back. Although I'm away to greeting my pal now, thinking about Gary Hooper leaving us again. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that one at all, It's actually good that that one fell last, no way. Ah, uh, no. It's true, actually. It's all, it's all moral as well, through the roof there, oh, like wow. Eddie done as last season at Sally. But I do want to say thank you for everyone who stuck with us in the comments. You've generated some great debate and great questions for us to answer. And hope you've hope enjoyed it, to be fair. It's just something we kind of thought of to come up with players who, a wee list of players who we thought kind of messed up their careers after leaving Celtic Football Club. We will be back Friday again with our usual podcast. I think it's myself, Franny and Ross. So that's to look forward to. Get a couple of drinks in and, and chill out with us and have a laugh and bring your Friday night in. And until then, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail.